everybody, and welcome to episode 532 of Vigigame Apocalypse. I'm your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Chris Ottman Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. If you want it to be the U Memorial Studio of the Airwaves, go to patreon.com slash laser time and join us at the $20 level. Who's joining me now? Number one Gex fanboy, Chris Antista. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not going to be one of those podcasters who apologizes for the background noise because I don't care. And Michael will probably edit it out. Matthew Allen. And joining us for the first time ever, special guest. I'm Jim Stormdancer, and I apologize for everything. <laughs> everything. <laughs> Part of this episode I've is heard nothing. Well, well, yeah, What what is some of that everything? Where might people have heard your voice or seen your work? Uh, the, the most likely thing you have heard of is I made a game called Frog Fractions, and then I made a couple of sequels to Frog Fractions. Uh, currently, the thing I'm most famous for right now... A couple of sequels. It's, oh, yeah. No, like, if, oh, if there's you've only, the if you've only played cat. the one sequel, there's another one out there for you. Oh. Uh, and there, it, please tell me there's another one, like, hidden in an audio QR code every time you talk, like, on this podcast. It's, it's, be it's such, such a froggy fraction thing to do. Actually, all those AI videos of, of Trump and Biden, those have secretly been... The new frog fractions, you just have to figure out how to, how to unlock it. Uh, but the thing I'm most well known for is a little internet radio show called Topic Lords. Topic Lords. The only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. It's yeah. true. It's true. <laughs> it's the only place. And Everyone else is just Seinfeld. No topic. It's just, it's just, their show's about nothing. Yeah. It's just, yeah. if it's not Topic Lords, it's just sparkling discussion. <laughs> right. Love it. Love it. You were uh, kind enough to invite me and Diana of uh, 302010 on recently. And and I think I told you, like, I have listened to like five or six episodes of this show now. I am still not entirely sure what the format is. <laughs> but, because it changes every episode. People just come oh, yeah. in with, I mean, you know, whatever's on their mind. And exactly. I basically it's a it's a it's a place for me to invite my friends with ADHD on hey. where they where they talk about whatever they're fixated on lately. So okay. if, if yeah. you're into that sort of thing, there's almost 200 episodes now. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna come on for the Gex cast. Yeah, there's not <laughs> <about> that. <laughs> it's a fun show. Go listen to Topic Lords. In the meantime. We do have a, a fun show ahead of us. But before we get into the topic, I just mm. want to share with everybody the most bittersweet moment of my previous week. Mickle? No, Michael. It's Michael, but it's spelled Mickle. But I'm going to say it's probably pronounced Michael, right? Mickle? Michael? Mickle? We'll say Mickle. Yeah. Rapara is over Michelle. at Ubisoft. No, not Michelle. I want to, that's not a pronunciation that way. Would it be? Michelle. Yeah, yeah, but that's not how, I mean, even the French, they don't spell it that way. Oh, okay. I see. I see. M I K E L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say Mick. I'm gonna say Mickle. If it's Michael, I apologize, Michael. But I said Mickle. It's definitely Mickle. I'd go Mikkel. Mikkel. Yeah. Mikkel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I have never had my name be this topic of that much discussion at <laughs> kind of funny game daily. Thank you, Greg Miller. For <laughs> Thank you, Greg and Time, for yeah. your discussion about Mickle's pronunciation. That, that surreal moment. I, you know, no hard feelings. Obviously, it's Mickle. Thank you for for you know it's getting like, it right. Mike, it should I'm, I'm be. Very I'm actually very impressed he got Rapara's right. That's on what the I'm first saying. Try. Yeah, that's the, usually the, the hard part. Is, is phonetical, and the Rapara's is the one that took me a while to spell and say. Mm -hmm. when I meant <laughs> <laughs> How's this said again? Oh man, the yeah, the Michael is like how they they spell it in Japan. It, it doesn't have that wasted a and e in it. Yeah. Did when you were on the show, did you deliberately like? 
find a way to say your name so I would know how to say it. Maybe? Because I remember not knowing how to say it and like, but I didn't have to try to avoid saying it. You just blurted it out at some point, yeah, so I well, knew. Well, I think in the intro, I, I said, I'm Michael. Sure. I mean, I guess I yeah. guess I do set you up like that, yeah. I don't, I don't care how anybody pronounces my name, but to, like, take anything out, I usually say it in my introduction, so to clear up. If you have a name like that, my mine is only Antista to Antista. Hmm. And it's a great name. Correct. It's a great name because it's my middle name. Actually, quick, quick aside, I was in... One of like my HR systems, you know, like approving timesheets or whatever today. And for some reason in that system, so my middle name is Chris. My middle name is Christopher, right? Mm-hmm. It just shortens it to Cristo. And so I'm Matthew <laughs> Cristo. <laughs> well known for your art installations in Central Park. <laughs> right? You're very close to being Matty Christ. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which yes. Is, is for some reason a much better porn yeah. name. No, not Jesus Christ. Matt Christ. Matty Christ. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> cooler brother. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in all seriousness, thank you to uh, Greg Miller for singling out an article that I wrote to, to talk about on the show. Please, it's Greg Millar. Get it, get it straight. And, and no, no, no hard feelings. No, but nobody pastor him over that. It's it's funny. No, not at all. No. But there's another piece of news that dovetails nicely with our discussion this week, which is a yeah. study that found that roughly 87 percent of classic games are no longer available, are quote-unquote lost. But, you know, for for us, that's like, oh, well, you know, I I can get them anytime. Well, we can get them. I was going to say for like, for my, in my house, Uh that is not the case because I haven't thrown anything away or traded it in. Mm, Yeah, there's there's that. We're we're hoarders. So, of course, you know, it, it helps that we have all this antique hardware left over from childhood. Not a lot of people do. And also, like, nerds of our age, all know they, we all know how to play video games. Mm-hmm. Like, are, yeah. are we allowed to endorse piracy on this show? I always Absolutely do. not. Yeah. Absolutely no. not. Uh, Never touch. In general, but, uh, not of Sega or Ubisoft products, especially. <laughs> Don't okay. I work for either of those companies, so okay. I Okay, all right. My, my lips are sealed then. <laughs> but uh, seriously, tip of the hat to the people actually preserving games digitally out there. Mm. You can find out my feelings about p- video game piracy if you go to my Mastodon account. Count. <laughs> yes more plugs for mastodon i like it <laughs> a reason to go there cool uh, i'm a threads a man myself already threads? i'm a blue sky dude no blue sky. i'm a dapper dan man hello for life and anyway keep on keep it moving but sure. yeah like uh, uh game preservation was in a much sadder state than i think once they put that kind of number to it hmm. and yeah. i don't yeah. know you and jim somehow ended up mixing that into what a topic you actually came up with, Chris, which is unre-released Mario games. Oh right, and yes. and it's it's a good point that it's like lots of Mario games get re-released on you know virtual console, Wii U, Switch, whatever. We're kind of used to we'll, we'll have some form of this legally playable for a while, but yeah. there are a number of Mario games that have never been re-released, <laughs> and and I, I attached certain rules to this. Has to be older than 10 years. Can't have been on Virtual Console or Wii U eShop. If it's re-released on the same platform, that's fine. That doesn't count. But if it's re-released on another platform years yeah. later, that, that counts. That was, yeah, I wanted to give a so. shout out to Super Paper Mario, which is like mm. the weirdest entry in the Paper Mario series. And Michael informed me 
No, that was actually available in the Wii U eShop. Yeah, but lots of yeah. these things were, and we just ignored yeah. them because we're jerks. And what about situations like when a game gets ported to various consoles, like at, during its or, original lifetime? Yeah, you might, no, might I, say. I, I don't think that counts as a re-release. Like, you know, Mario so like, is missing. That's from it, like a year later. It goes to the NES. Yeah, that doesn't count. Nah, okay, it doesn't doesn't count. So oh, same man. same rough time frame. That's a port. Yeah. Ooh, an NES port after the fact? That is butter spread across yeah, too much bread. It, mm-hmm. it was a down port. A down port. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I have to say, this took me... Like, you had a couple of suggestions when I talked to you, Jim, that sent me down some interesting rabbit holes. Like, games that I have never heard of. That, like, yes, these are legit Mario games. They have never been re-released in any form. They were barely known about, you know, outside of Japan. Yeah. But yeah, let, let's just launch right in with... Number five! <laughs> Swedish piracy commercial. All I can think of. French pipe. That's that's a clip from the future when the news will be gathered around the last Mario versus machine as it dies. In this game's defense, that is it running on a very fiddly emulator that has not been adjusted properly. However, uh, Jim, do you want to see what this is? I'm actually not sure. Is that Super Mario Brothers special? It is Super Mario Brothers special. So this was a Super Mario Brothers, not exactly port, a a redesign. Made by Hudson, yeah, for Hudson. the the Japanese PC eighty eight zero one computer. Oh, it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and I think they they made a another port a little bit no, afterward they, for the the Sharp X one. And they had a weird deal with Nintendo. They made these things. They look god awful, and they look like glorified uh, fan. Yeah, it, it looks like fan. It, it looks like a fan game. Yeah, for sure. I somehow missed this completely. But I remember, like, the Donkey Kong game had been missing for uh, like thirty years, and I think they had. And they don't just port a game; they like make a pseudo sequel to like Donkey Kong Three, and it's so weird because looking into this, it's like all I could think of was. Man, they're really... These guys must really love the original Mario Brothers. Because <laughs> there's so much love and connection to the original single-screen Mario Brothers two-player game. Yeah, but th- this is Super Mario Brothers on hardware that cannot handle horizontal yeah. scrolling. Right. So initially, that that first version, when like it, it just showed like one screen of the level, and when you went to the edge... It would flash to black, and then it would have, like, the next little bit of the level as, a, as another like, static screen. Little fractions of the the last and next level. Like, it was, mm-hmm. like, such a waste of space. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a serial comic strip or something where, like, yeah, the first panel is yeah. yesterday's last panel, etc. Oh, where it's fucking right. Mario comic zone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, the, the phys- like, I'm pretty sure they didn't have the source code because the physics is off. Yeah. I think yeah. they just re-implemented it from, like, well, this is the best we can do. The funniest thing I saw is the... um what you would call it, trampolines, jump platforms. Right, yeah. Do not work at all. So whenever they put one in, 
there are new hidden blocks that you can use to bypass the fact that they could not figure out how to code. <laughs> Has anyone ever been able to explain like why it couldn't handle the scrolling? Because I've heard about this thing for years, and I mean, we're so used to nowadays, PCs are way more powerful than the average gaming machine, or at least gaming PCs. And so it's it seems so strange to me to be like, yeah, PCs couldn't handle scrolling at the time. Like, I, why I not? I think it's just a matter of redrawing that many sprites that quickly. Right. Yeah, it, it's just like, how many bytes can you copy in in, in a, a 60th of a second? Yeah. And it's a lot of the time for those early PCs, it was less than the size of the screen. Yeah. And I, 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 I guess remember this... I bounced off of PC gaming when I first started playing games because all games were side scrollers in my, I had no PC that could do that. I remember right. the first time I was able to play a competent one was Pac-Land. I'm like, this does not justify being a PC gamer yet. I'll leave until Dark Forces come. This is all before graphics cards, right? So maybe that would also well, explain it, right? Yeah, on yeah, PCs, yeah. yes. The, the, but for example, the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, that CPU certainly couldn't have done uh, software scrolling. But they did have a... Um, effectively, it was a GPU. Right. It just, yeah, they had like, dedicated drew, chips. Drew a, drew a tile background and sprites on top of it. Yeah. Oh god! Okay. I got some technical here to explain these questions. Well, <laughs> I I was in my mind confusing this with the rumored that ended up being true. Remember, John Romero yeah. did a PC. Yes. He proposed a PC yeah. port of Mario Three that like people found, and that one at least scrolls. But yeah, it, it's, it's very later. similar to this one in that like the physics is you can tell a little wonky, like the jumps a little floatier, the power ups don't quite look the same, and it's just like yeah, I mean, yeah. very well, very I, very similar. I wonder if this is part of the reason Nintendo put the kibosh on that. Like now we don't we don't want to try this again. It worked out terribly yeah. before. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I do think that like this. By that time, they had figured out, we want control of our main properties. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They they farmed out ports of Mario Brothers and Donkey Kong. You can find them all over early micros and all the early consoles. And they're not all good. They're mostly pretty (laughs) awful. They're mostly not good. Yeah. That was part of some philosophy at Nintendo. They were sick of seeing shitty ports of their uh, well-received arcade games. And that was their motive for wanting to make a console to begin with. Right. And and, and so, so for me, like I got one in 88 and I'm playing all these arcade games from 1983, having no idea. This is just Nintendo like uh, nobody, nobody can. <laughs> nobody is making a, a oh, I can't even think of a class a excite bike the way it should be. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and but again, what it sounds to me the most is I, tr- I tried to hit up Adam on a Paducan podcast to see like. Was the Mario Brothers arcade game super successful? Because they made a Mario Brothers special, Hudson, in addition to Super Mario special. That's right, yeah, that predated this. Yeah, Mario Brothers was huge at the time, Mm -hmm. like before Super Mario. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I remember discovering it after the fact, but that was just after SMB. I I sent you guys that commercial that I was remembering that, like, totally brought me back to my youth of... Of yeah, Mario doing doing the car fifty four. Where are you? Chant in a commercial, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm like, maybe that's why. Because I owned for Atari twenty six hundred. I I owned Mario Bros. And I'm like, maybe my mom saw that commercial because I didn't know to ask for Mario Bros. Back in the day, I I don't know why my parents bought that for me, but I'm glad they did. That was my yeah. that was my first Mario exposure. Probably I didn't know he was Jumpman and Donkey Kong at the time. Plus, I hate Donkey Kong. The game sucks. But uh, like yeah. Mario Brothers Special is the closest thing to a sequel that Mario Brothers ever got. It is totally different. And what I love about Super uh, Mar- Super Mario Brothers Special, it incorporates enemies and items from the original Mario Brothers in the way the they bugs. Nintendo oh, yeah, games. Yeah, the, the fighter flies. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and carries over. There's a Donkey Kong power up, which yeah. What the hell? I guess never happened outside of the game preservation I'm holding up before me, the best uh, portable game of all time. Hmm. Uh, and <laughs> and and my favorite. This is. It looks like a port. This is the first Mario game where Mario can fly. And by fly, I That's mean right. swimming in the air. That's he right. Swims, yeah. <laughs> he There's swims. There's a wing in the power air. up. Yeah. It's was bizarre. That, Nintendo that, uh, allowed this to happen. The Nintendo we know would never allow this to happen. Was that so Donkey Kong '94? It was Donkey Kong '94. I don't. I do. Do you want to count the? That kind of got a remake, but I think that might belong on this list too. Yeah, maybe. It's just that uh, it, it came out on the Virtual Console. That's for, right. Oh uh, yeah. 3DS. Yep. And let's yeah, not forget yeah. the Super Game Boy. That's which a, complicates things. Donkey Kong '94 is incredible. Like I oh, love. Yeah. I love the the switcheroo that they pull where like, yeah, it's just Donkey Kong again. Then you get after four levels in, suddenly, Uh yeah, no, there's like 200 more levels. 100 more levels. One of the games on our list has that quality, actually. Oh, yeah. It's a whole other game. But um, speaking of whole other games, I'm not not ready to switch yet. But I do want to give a shout out the uh, the later version of this for Sharp X1 fixed a lot of the problems and sounded slightly better. Nope. More clippy. Don't like it. <laughs> Don't like it. Variable speed. Um, Mario Brothers special. Try reconnecting to the, the call. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. But this one had, I think, uh, a slightly improved color palette. It the it fixed one of the bigger problems with the original was th- which was the scrolling. And while it didn't have the smooth scrolling of the Famicom NES version. It did have, like, you remember Zelda 1? The way that when you get to the edge of the screen, like, everything freezes and the screen moves over. And yeah. and then you continue. It's more like that. So you can see what you're doing. Like, if you jump off the screen and, like, okay, now I, I have a sense of where Mario is rather than, like, it just comes back and, like, oh, what's that? He's suddenly above that wasn't there before. Right. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if the reason Nintendo let Hudson make this is they were technically the first third-party publisher to publish for Nintendo platforms, so they mm. might have a bit of a special relationship and a trust there because it, it is so odd. I mean, obviously, Nintendo being a Japanese company is probably going to be more prone to loan a series like this out to another Japanese company, but maybe that's maybe that was part of it. It's like, hey, come make things for our system. We'll let you make one of our games on another platform. It feels like a deals like that were common back in the early to mid 80s and even weirder to compare to nintendo now like the hudson b is a goddamn power up in the game right yeah (laughs) yeah i love that b (laughs) everyone's name i forget it but uh yeah because i was gonna nominate um super mario brothers deluxe because i thought that was like Mm. the coolest weirdest smb expansion that's never but it has been i think that was re-released it has been re-released yeah but like that might be the only two-player Super Mario Brothers officially. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Like two-player simultaneous, which is weird considering it was on Game Boy Color. It is That's so what weird. I do, man. Mm. Two Marios at the same time. <laughs> um, quick aside about that Hudson B, Chris, uh, and content warning to listeners. I do, in my mind, always confuse it, though, with the B pen that Bill Cosby had during pic- the the fucking picture pages, oh, whatever. Yeah. Oh, wait, I saw Remember it. that B? I always wanted one of those as a kid because I'm like, but the pen didn't actually make the noises, but it made the oh, noises. Yes, I'm here because Nickelodeon has no commercial inventory. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's as good a spot as any to move on to. 
Number four. Gonna be hearing this music a lot. Yeah, I think you slipped up and just put Super Mario Brothers yeah. on the list. I, yeah. I know it sounds that way, but what if I told you that the Goombas were little bald men with sunglasses? They, they look like Pitbull. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Actually, yes. Florida resident. This is this is another one you turned me on to, Jim. Again, do you want to say what it is? Oh, I'm, I'm afraid to pronounce it. Is it All Night Nippon? Yeah, All, all Night Nippon. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let the station ident tell us. All Night Nippon, take it to the good time. So you That's took, a jam. yeah, you told me about this, and and we're gonna talk about a couple things in this entry. I had wanted to do like Nintendo had this early history of advert yeah. games, and I've since discovered, you know, I kind of underestimated this because like I watched a playthrough, like what is this? This is a ROM hack where like the yep. enemies have been switched out with images of like caricatures of radio hosts, and right. then I watched a little documentary about it. And I found out that this is like a cultural touchstone. Like this, this yeah. is the start of Nintendo's cultural relevance. Their uh, collaboration with Fuji TV. Fuji yeah. TV, among its many holdings, had a late night radio show that ran from <laughs> 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. in Japan called All Night Nippon. And like it started in the 60s. It became a fixture, like, this is where you can hear musical artists be DJs and play new songs. And we have, like, you know, well-known personalities and segments, and we play the coolest music. Yeah, it made it sound like um, kind of an MTV for Japan in the early yeah. 80s. But all audio. Or, no, it's the early 60s. Yeah. Late, it late, sounds more like Savado Gigante yeah. to me, but... Uh... No, it's all night in a pone, baby. You're on the line with Shinji and the Wolverine. We're out here at the <laughs> Tokyo Dome giving away used panties. Is that a stereotype against the Japanese or AM radio? You tell me. <laughs> can it be both? Uh, or can it be uh, <laughs> 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 so Sorry, I'm patting myself on the back for Shinji and the Wolverine. <laughs> that was uh, pretty good. But, 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 uh, Just come up but, with that yeah, on like, the fly. It was a 20th anniversary of this, and I admire the documentary you sent me because, like, it's really hard for any American to understand that context. It's a medium I don't think many of us spent much time revering, uh, but it was super important to Japanese culture. And they had this weird symbiotic relationship with Nintendo that they sort of celebrated the Mario series. Uh, so there was, like, this... I think Nintendo recognizing that, like, yeah, these guys have helped us out a ton and helped legitimize us in this very established medium and this very established show with young people. Why not help them? It's, I think, emulation. Did we not download a giant nesticle file and have this ROM in it and just like, what the fuck is this? I'm not yep. playing. This. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. Like at first, I just thought it was just it's just another ROM hack that's in yeah. this pile. Mm -hmm. but yeah, and, and I didn't realize how absolutely legitimate it was that <laughs> it's it's full Nintendo created. Oh yeah, yeah, fully fully behind them, and it's it's kind of a testament to the flexibility of the Famicom disc system. Like right. you could put out a game like this and not have to print up a bunch of cartridges that were expensive. Right, you don't need to to make ten thousand copies and sell them all. You can just make you could you could make 10 yeah but I, I think it was like 3,000 yeah it but. was 3,000 copies that they basically 
gave away as you know an on-air raffle to listeners. They still sold like, them. You you yeah, they yeah. sold them I think after the initial raffle, but to uh, the listeners and then Nintendo oh, made okay, some yeah. more, but it's super unclear. So it was it was a lottery to buy it. It wasn't a contest. I to think give it so. Away. It was a lottery right. to buy it at a really cheap price because when mm. Nintendo finally did sell them, it was kind of double the price. I didn't even think about the idea of the it was on a disc system, so it was yeah. easier to produce. Also, Even though isn't that that mostly Nintendo's fault for making it so hard to make cartridges? <laughs> yeah, deliberate, deliberate. Um, but the, it was kind of interesting in that it's not just a sprite swapping ROM hack of no. Super Mario Brothers. It actually combines levels from the original Super Mario Brothers two lost levels. Gross, so yeah. you'll be playing up until I think uh, World Five two, and then it starts to switch between. It's... It shuffles them, and it, it's, yeah. it uses a lot of the sprites from... It's kind of ingenious. Like, it's Nintendo hacking its oh, two of its own games and remixing them in a way that was way more substantial than I ever gave it credit for, firing up and, I'll say it again, Nesticle. They're the ones who started mm. it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks, shit, man. Well, having to explain that icon to my grandma. <laughs> Look at my new computer! We, we have to eventually get... We have to stop being surprised that they're willing to do this with their games because they've done it three or four times now this game included like they right now on your switch there are remixed versions of nes games that nintendo has cracked open you know they they had nes remix so like they've done it a few times now but it, every time it feels like it feels mm-hmm. naughty like wow I can't, yeah can't it's something nintendo they don't normally that. do and i think it also speaks to like how young nintendo was because whatever standard they put in place they would never do this for anybody else disney could not come to them with a truckload of money and say put Elsa in the goddamn Super Mario Brothers at <laughs> an eye. They would they would throw them out of the building like DJ Jazzy Jeff. I, sh- I should give credit to this documentary we're citing. So GTV Japan did How Super Mario Brothers and All Night Nippon Changed Gaming History Forever. Go look that up on YouTube. It's a fun watch. Surprisingly really informative. There's, there's even more like visual media that somehow this radio station was a part of. They really got behind the Mario phenomenon in a way I, I'm guessing... You know, like in America, mainstream media was not very apt to support video games yeah. in the 80s. Well, they, they also had, did you mention the, the Fami Baka segment that they would, like, play games on the air? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and play and play the Mario music, uh, like, play it as a single. And I know Japan's culture is different, but, like, man, that, that shit would not happen in America for decades mm-hmm. uh, where you would acknowledge Mario music on the air. Yeah. And there was there was a hostess, I think her name was uh, Kyon Kyon, who got stuck on World 4-4 and couldn't finish it before the segment ran out. And I also noticed there's apparently a glitch in dumps of Super Mario Brothers Special where you cannot get past four four because the it's completely corrupt. So it's like yeah, is, yeah. is World Four Four cursed? Are I, we are we witnessing an unknown urban legend? That was that was <laughs> a fascinating thing to inquire about, especially with that, you know, thirteen percent article out mm. that like even our versions of ha- of this we have for posterity are corrupted and un- unplayable at a point. Mm-hmm. Like speak, speaking as a game designer, I would say four four is cursed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's two unlucky numbers in Japan. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I didn't think of that. And and in uh, China like, also, especially. I think it comes from China, but yeah, four is unlucky. Super Mario Brothers does a pretty good job with doing interesting things with secrets. Mm-hmm. Like I think the warp zones are interesting. I think the hidden blocks are interesting. Like even things like how you can climb up into the HUD and skip a lot of the level in some levels. That's yep. awesome. Oh man. That is that is pretty ahead of itself. Holy shit. Yeah. Going behind the 
the scenes of the, the game itself. Yeah, but 4-4 four, four and 7-4, those maze levels, those are not good secrets. Those are It's not good game design. Like, can you imagine if, like, just, I'm, I'm lost for five minutes. Is, is this fun? Like... <laughs> Yeah, really not. <laughs> no, I, I got but, really upset, and I just kept, like, I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. I remember getting there myself, like after what felt like years of playing. Right, Jim. But let me tell you about a game like, series called Kingdom Hearts. If you want to talk about not fun design where you don't know where you're going in a level, <laughs> uh, can I be lost for fifty hours? That sounds great. Yeah, like imagine or if a guy they named had, Roxas. Imagine if they had like you finish the level normally. It's just a linear level like the rest of them. But then, like three months later, you find out that if you t- you took a certain series of, of of paths in the level, it took you to, to a different place. That would be a cool secret. Yes. Yeah, and, and I, I even uh, like I also admire Nintendo cracked open all the original game stuff, and like the hidden blocks and power ups are mm-hmm. in different spots because they like the game had already been become kind of ubiquitous, and they knew that wouldn't be very fun. Yeah. And, and, That's and smart. Re- yeah, That's really smart. The game, like, f- for at a lower cost. It's so strange. It's it's such a strange partnership. And yeah, like I, this is like the most I've ever learned about this. I definitely remember it sitting in my giant file of torrented ROMs. But mm. like, uh, like, what is this? But yeah, th- this helped make Nintendo cool in the eyes yeah. of the Japanese, and it also led to this contest that All Night Nippon hosted. It was nationwide, and it was come up with lyrics for the Super Mario Brothers overworld theme or ground theme, whatever you want to call it. And the winner was a woman named Hiroku Taniyama, who got to perform the song on a uh, on the B side of a single. This this is one that you might be familiar with. This is where it came from. <laughs> The, the partnership between Nintendo and Fuji TV is pretty mm-hmm. wide-ranging and interesting. Most people know about Doki Doki Panic, that that came out of this event that Fuji TV was putting on called Dream Factory, where it's like, we're going to showcase the technology of the future, and we'll have these Arabian Nights mascots, and we'll make a tie-in game called Yume Kojo Doki Doki Panic, and then that'll become um, what Americans know as Super Mario Brothers 2. That's well documented. What's what's less documented is like this also marked the beginning of like Fuji branching into video games themselves with FCI giving us all those lovely games like Hydalide. <laughs> I'm sure there are others. Super Pitfall. I don't know. <laughs> There's something else I wanted to discuss in this entry, which is a different partnership with a food company that produced this game. So that is an in-game commercial designed to promote the Nagatanyan food company's Ochazuke Nori, which uh, was generally sold in commercials that sounded like this. Chris was so horrified by the Anka that he left. 
Um, <laughs> but that that is Saburo Kitajima, who's a very famous singer in Japan, and he appears in that interstitial in uh, Kayatekita Mario Bros. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Kayatekita? But it's it was a, a collaboration with this advertiser that was Mario Brothers, the original game, in a retooled NES version with ads. And this was, again, on Famicom Disk System. It was made much cheaper by... Not much cheaper, like 100 yen cheaper. You'd normally pay, like, the equivalent of 5 bucks to get one of these. This one was 4 bucks, and you got to watch ads that weren't in the original one. In that particular ad that I played the audio for, uh, the singer, a giant version of him, shows up and menaces Mario and Luigi, just, like, chases them around this giant box of food product. And then it teleports to a rooftop and pantomime singing. There's there's some other stuff in there too, but the idea was like we're we're defraying the cost of the game so you can watch in-game ads, and that was That's... the genesis of this idea. But they, they still can't shake the feeling that like man Mario in the beginning was like you know kind of a bigger slut than Shovel Knight, like just mm. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit peering all over the place. A little bit. Pe- people liked making money in the eighties. It's true. It's true. It's true. We <laughs> had the Japanese bubble economy had to ring it's every true, last it's, cent it's, out. It's, it's that short-sighted money game that Nintendo now swats to the ground. Mm-hmm. They would never participate in anything like this. So I think Kaete Kika, Kita means return of. Right, yes. And so the title just is like, yeah, it's, it's Mario Brothers, they're back. Uh, mm-hmm. but, that, but also, there's a bunch of ads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it... it, it it's deceptive because it's like if you see Return of the Wolfman, like oh, a sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently, the 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 other thing this was actually much better than the original NES Mario Brothers mm-hmm. had bigger sprites. You could change direction in midair when you jumped, which made it a lot easier. And all this just for the price of watching some animated in-game ads for food, which you know that's that's really hitting their target market. You know. Kids playing Mario games, definitely going to go out and do the grocery shopping later. <laughs> so weird. They're going to go out yeah. in their first errand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just like the Netflix show. Nowadays, you can't give games away. <laughs> just just going to point out the Kayate Kita. If, if you were doing Spanish, it would mean shut up, get out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> literally, Kayate means shut up yeah. and Kita means remove. Yeah. So shut up, yeah, get out of here. That's a good point. All right. Well, we should we should move this along as fun as that is to uh number 3. If you can hear this without your eyes bleeding, you never played this oh, game. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> This is that Virtual Boy. It sounded like Virtual Boy title because it sounded like it was trying to mindfuck me mm-hmm. right there. That's why so. I wanted to bring up the, the Mario Brothers legacy because it's a legacy that's largely ignored by Nintendo. And, mm-hmm. and Except in rare games like Mario Clash. Yeah. yeah just... Which, yeah, that was the Mario game for Virtual Boy. It was a Mario game nobody wanted at the time. And, and because, like, you know, what's a Mario game? You you expect a side scroller. You expect yeah. something like Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Not the World. Shinobi you don't bonus expect stage. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is actually, if you've played it, if you can, you know, steal your eyes for long enough to to play it significantly, it's actually 
really fun and has some creative designs that don't really make sense outside of that 3D presentation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah where, like, have, have you guys played Mario Clash at all? Of course. Like, uh, uh, I don't know what it was, but just, like, it's exactly like I am now. I would have been a teenager. None of us were excited or wanted a Virtual Boy. And then one day, months later, they were all $25 and all the games are $5. Yep. And we all became like, we must... There's never been this affordable a game machine of any kind. We will buy all of this. Mm -hmm. And I did get to appreciate the Virtual Boy a little bit. I, I do think you're right. This is the Mario game nobody wanted. Why not make it a pack-in? And I think my memory is that this didn't. Even, this wasn't even available at launch. Like, they didn't have a Mario game. <laughs> Uh, at launch, that wouldn't and, surprise me. Which they would have been had like Mario the, Tennis, which would have been the first time that 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 happened. That had never happened before. Mm -hmm. You always have a Mario game at launch, you, even if it's not packed in. Yeah, uh, and even when you finally got it, it was a 3D version of Mario Brothers, which is a game I would like to say I don't like at all. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, Fair. No, I love like, Donkey Kong. I love Super Mario Brothers. I have no affection for this at all. Sorry, Maddie. Uh, You're wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, Mario Brothers is a superior title to Donkey Kong, but each to their own. I like yeah. bending yeah. bricks and not breaking them. But this is this <laughs> is a you don't. That's the thing. You don't even bend <laughs> bricks here. It's all ice climber bullshit. It's all about the 3D perspective <laughs> because you're stomping turtles, other enemies, but only like the basic Koopa Troopas in this can be defeated by stomping them. And what you do is you stomp them and then you use them as weapons to take down other enemies. Yeah. For example, there are like these little spinies with just like one spike sticking up out of them. And uh, if, if you, you can't jump on them, but if you throw the turtle shell at them horizontally, you can take them out. And then you get like spinies with three spines and they're protected from horizontal attacks. So what do you do? You go into the background layer and you line up a shot and you throw it from there. And that's how you take them out. And then there are ones, like, there's crabs that you have to first hit them horizontally and then vertically. So do we want to discuss, like, the... Let's discuss, like, the, the moral qualities of making a really good game for Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, making, making a game that's going to get people to have this on their face longer. Yeah. And yeah. do more damage would, to their eyes. Would you eyes. say it is wrong... Yes! It felt wrong. It felt wrong at the time. Like, God, yeah. Teleboxer is like, like the best punch-out sequel ever, but... Ah, oh, my head. Do you, do you want to go on record with what you said in chat, Michael, about the creator of the Virtual Boy? And this is the worst thing he ever made. Yes! Yeah. I mean, rest in peace, Kampai Koi, yeah. but uh, yeah, this thing was no no good. Well, I, I would say it, it might be the only bad thing he ever made. Like, it... And I... I I have a, a, an affection for the Virtual Boy. Like, of all the games that I spent the most time playing on there, Panic Bomber, the Bomberman mm -hmm. Tetris clone. I loved that. Uh, I never never really got my hands on Mario Clash until recently. And, like, even watching it on YouTube, it's like, can there just be an emulator <laughs> that lets you switch the color palette? Because yes. this is eye-searing! Exactly. Just do a white, yeah, sw swap the red with a, like, white or grayscale, and you'll yeah, be totally fine. there's fired. gotta be, like, a Virtual Boy emulator for for VR headsets. Mm -hmm. Wow, that, I didn't think about that. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I don't have one, but... That has to exist. Yeah, that should exist. Right. 
And come to think I have of it, a like, unique reason why I couldn't play a lot of Virtua Boy. As, as you guys know, I'm partially colorblind. Right. And so I don't see red on black contrast that well. Wow. And so that I entire fucking system is useless to no, me. No. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I, and, and it's, it's, it's the contrast that, that really it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I can play those games. Why would you want to? On, but, on uh, the, yeah. yeah. The flip side of the, this, my dad never could wrap his head around games and got severe, severe motion sickness from like everything. And I like showed him this thing and red alert. He played it for like over half an hour, like in oh one sitting God. because like it didn't, it somehow didn't give him motion sickness. Uh, the 3d, like it, it clicked with him for some reason. Hmm. I'd never seen hmm. him play a game so long. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe it's because there was no peripheral vision. <laughs> yes. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He, they go, like didn't have to no, think about his other obligations. There's mm-hmm. no stationary world to contrast the motion to. Oh, that's what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah. That could have been. Yeah. yeah. I just never, never found the necessity of buying and playing on a system that basically gave me the field of view of a speak and spell right up against my eyes. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, I get some fucking. Well, there's red an LED illusion of depth. Black. This is. But, uh-huh. but I guess the life's an illusion, Michael. Yeah, the story of like the the red LEDs was, uh, you know, he was. Told to come up with a VR headset cheaply, as cheaply as possible, and the red LEDs were cheaper than other colors. Yeah, right. like I said, it was speak and spell bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, and they probably kept batteries. Uh, well, actually, that thing was plug in, wasn't it? There was, it there had was... both. You could, I think, it, it had like you could use uh, six batteries For inserted into the controller, <laughs> or you you had a. a plug-in AC adapter. Right, because I'm sure the initial thought was that this could be portable because it's a headset. Mm-hmm. But then they have to then they realize like wait, are people going to be running around the house completely blind? Yeah, well, like you, are we going to have kids doing this with our product? Yeah, you like, couldn't even strap it on. It had a little yeah. bipod so you'd have to yeah. put it yeah. on a desk and lean into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is the kid in the back seat Doing doggy style. No, no, he's putting his virtual boy on the back dashboard. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, it's it's a portable machine. Yeah. What no. I would do is I would lie on my bed with it and like use the bipod yeah. to prop it up against my chest yes. so that the thing was balanced on my face. Yeah, we did that too. Yeah, and then, then I would literally be seeing red for several minutes after taking it off. Yeah, the whole virtual boy, like, you're going to have to explain to people of the future that no, this is not games up by the Terminator. It's mm. it's just the, the weirdest <laughs> platform that's ever existed. Oh god! Yeah, it's good it, ideas, not a lot of good games. It's so strange. It's so strange. I'm shocked. Fucking limited run games didn't announce an homage to it today. Mm-hmm. It, <laughs> also, um, I just wanted to play the sound from the bonus round. Listen to these great iconic uh, coin noises. Like, you're Nintendo. You can't use the classic coin noise that you use in every other Mario game. I know that's a nit to pick because the bigger nit is that, like, you're, you're standing on this, uh, like, carnival float looking thing with, like, red and white stripes as coins just float toward you and you have to. It's very difficult to play this game without the 3D. Yeah. Because yeah. There, there are moments where it's just like, wait, is that platform? In the background, or are the mm-hmm. enemies standing on it just tiny for some reason? Yeah, I don't think it's the only Mario game we'll say that about in this Mm-mm. case. But they they had a golden opportunity to remake this for 3DS in a yeah. palatable form. They never did. Yeah, so, what the hell? 
And uh, yeah, I don't short, short of yeah, an actual VR headset remake that Nintendo might do in the far future. Um, I, I think we're never going to see this one again. I, I don't mean to be rude at all. I would, I wouldn't accept a Game and Watch collection for free, but I would have <laughs> bought a 3DS Virtual Boy collection absolutely, like as a mm-hmm. way to like experience history the way it was intended. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity, man. Damn, go play Jack Bros or something. Um, all right. <laughs> well, I, I hate to tell you guys, but publishers and game makers, they don't make decisions based on writing wrongs of their past. They make them based on what's going to sell. I, so, like, you can, when the starting point is hundreds of units of this thing, it's like, you, you don't look at that and go, it, like, yeah, it man, doesn't we need refute to that. my case of the multiple Game & Watch collections. Like, wh- why am I? Why would you buy multiple those, Casio those games? Sold, those sold millions of units back in the day. That's mm, why. That's true. Well, we should move along to the actual good 3D Mario game. Mm. Number two. Yeah. You heard this every time you were I played this so much, I was always in a race to skip this shit. <laughs> You're always in a what? race to skip this shit oh. because uh it, yeah every time you fired it up but you know you didn't have to start it over because it was a portable game hmm. ah that's and true i just yeah, have just, the utmost just respect close the screen and then mm-hmm. open it again yeah and if if you were working like michael and i were uh, we would take our 3ds's into work plug them in at our desk have a different plug at home have a different plug in our car uh 3ds might be one of my favorite nintendo platforms have we said the name of the game super mario 3d land (laughs) that's just a great scream from martinette there yep yep (laughs) and and this is one of those games where this could totally come out on something else yeah and, and, like, and, and, unlike yeah, it's, Super Mario, it's or, got a little bit of the the 3D stuff to it. Like there are yeah, little yeah. screens where, like you, there are puzzles based on you mm-hmm. actually being able to see the 3D. Mm-hmm. But they also sold this game, and like they had, they sold uh, the 2DS. Yeah, with this you, in a bundle. Yes, <laughs> right. And so, like, they, you just have to accept it. Except yeah. that you're mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to solve this puzzle. No, I, I but read you can some still play the game. People, like there were some gyroscopic stuff that was that didn't really work but there was always the controller option you could totally play this on 2ds and not miss out on that i love the if you can we were we hinted at that earlier it was the first time i saw nintendo do like half this game is like preschool and then once you finish that half of the game it opens up a new half of the game is like here you go, old man. Beat this. And it's <laughs> fucking difficult. And if you can, like, 100% everything, it was the most difficult Mario level I've ever played. And you needed the 3D because everything had to be really, really precise. And and Mario lacked a few abilities that he would have in other games, like triple jumping and stuff like that, because the game needed to be a little more contained, given yeah. that it was on a portable system. But I, I still think it's the only 3D Mario game on a portable system. After multiple generations, uh, they ported Mario 64, but like, if you remember, that was really rough for people to play without, before the 3DS, because no analog stick and things get wanna, real small. I want to tangent for a second. Yeah, please. please. You, you can get, um, there There are, it's a combination of a ROM hack and an emulator hack. Really? Uh, that 
together you can use those to play uh Mario 64 DS with like a gamepad with with really? analog controls Ooh. and it's it's it, it works fantastically. I, I I that's the it's the first thing I played when I got the 3DS because like that analog stick was so crucial and the yeah, launch and, games and that, were that's terrible. a better experience but you still don't have the analog control it's still eight yeah. way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, yeah. It's did, so cool. Did Wii U actually they, I know there was a version of 64DS released on Wii U. Did that let you use full analog or no? Pretty sure not. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Cuz yeah, that was what, the worst what, which, part of that game having to use the touch screen. Which yeah, which one was it that did, was it the in 64 port where it's like you had to use just the touch screen yes. to it's my least favorite thing mobile games do of like, we're just going to pretend there's a stick under your thumb. And deal with <laughs> or you it. could use the D-pad and then there's a run button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But oh, the, now, the trade-off you think... is you get to play as, uh, was it Yoshi, Wario, and Luigi? Yeah. yeah. Mario 64 DS did a lot of stuff. A yeah, lot. there's they, a they fixed stuff Yeah. It. There's a lot of new content in it. A lot of the worst stuff in the original game was cut mm. and replaced with something better. Uh, it's, it's a much better game, and um, I, I am bummed that they keep re-releasing the original game instead of yeah, putting yeah. that one on that new version. systems in a more playable state. Yeah. 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 It yeah. is Super Mario 64 special. This one doesn't have a re-release. Do you think it's because of 3D World? Like that exists and they're like, well, that supersedes it, 3D Land. There's no it, need for it. It's just it, completely you know? different. And if, in fact, I was only a little disappointed by 3D World just because it was derivative of a style that was meant to work well on portable. The, I think yeah. the, but also the, the, just very, very multiplayer focused. Like yes. that's the reason I never got into 3d world is like this that whole, relies too much on four players. Isometric that, isometric view was to deliver a three Mario can't run for the first time. He can dash a little if you, if you, if you move too much in one direction, but there's no run button and they reintroduced the Tanuki suit with no flying because you can't, you're not supposed to leave this limited scope of the game. So to make a Wii U version of that was just like, why? Oh, because you have the guts already. It's all new content. It's a completely different game. Uh, but like, this still fascinates me. The criticism people threw at it was it's Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of, <laughs> a little bit. Well, except it's a good game. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> Thank you. I do think that the idea that um, Mario 3D World. Like, they didn't feel the need to re-release 3D Land because 3D World is right there. I do think that might be part of the thinking. Like, if you look at the series, the new Super Mario Brothers series, I feel like they treated that like a Mario Kart where they just, yeah, here's the new new Super Mario Brothers on this system. It's just so, it's so different. And, And that it was designed for portable play. Those levels are like really quick bursts, and like when you when you want a hundred percent, it it doesn't feel as painful because you don't have a lot to go and backtrack through. the The yeah. goal could be super hard, but it doesn't take you a long time to get to because you also have to like what do you call it? Like gold flag all the flagpoles too, which like sucks oh, right. when you've right. finished yeah. everything else about a game and you got to go back and do that. But that was easy once you got the the, the what was it? The coins and the uh, uh, then I think you had to beat it again with Luigi. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the other thing. You can play as Luigi. Luigi's back. Thanks, bro. <laughs> so, yeah, that's if not, so if, nice. If not for Super Mario 64 DS, like this would have been the first 3D playable Luigi. It, it might have been the first playable 3D Luigi for a lot of people. Well, yeah. not counting Luigi's Mansion, but yeah. Oh, but in a Mario game. Sure, sure. Quick read of the table, quick read of the table, Mario or Luigi. Michael, Mario or Luigi. Luigi. Uh, uh, Jim, 
Wait, wait, for what perp? Like, you mean... Just, prefer, uh, to, just off... To no, Jerry, no, you can't marry one. Mario or Luigi. Friend. To marry. Like, uh, which one do you prefer? Who has which more of a personality? Uh, this isn't Mary fuck, kill, Jim. It's just <laughs> which one do you like better, Mario or Luigi? Oh, I, I, Mary fuck, kill, Luigi. Okay. All three. <laughs> In that order? <laughs> I'm, still with, I'm still with Mario. I don't, I don't need that. That oh, floaty man. jump is too much of a cheat. I like a, the quickness of Mario, especially in this in this game. Uh, I'm a Luigi I, guy. I'm a Luigi guy. I do love Luigi. I love Luigi. Uh, but once again, Mario, the existence of the original Mario Brothers, that solidifies the year of Luigi. That's why it is there. <laughs> Actually, Luigi. given the choice, Princess every time. Uh, yeah, there you the go. The floaty jump is awesome. Uh, and Super Princess Peach, another one that has never been re-released. Yep. But. Yeah, I, I, I want to see what Nintendo's attitude will be like for... 3DS re-releases of any kind, because thank God Jim is here so I can talk openly about emulation. <laughs> Have you you've emulated a 3DS before, or at least like outputted it to a television? It looks like shit. So what I did, um, I, I used an emulator that can render at higher resolutions mm. because mm. It's, it's internally it's just a 3D card in there. Really? So it can like improve the way it looks? Yeah, and it's not. It's not perfect, and, and it depends on the game, like which how, how mm-hmm. well it works. But um, mm-hmm. for for I was pl- specifically was playing 3D Land, and it worked pretty well. Yeah, and and, and am I nuts? Did they they announced a Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon Switch yeah, remake. Yeah, they did. Right? Mm-hmm. It's so coming yeah. next year. It's so that's like year. the first big 3DS remake. So hopefully that's a that good point. Hmm. And that, that but that's a remake. That's a problem, right? Is is like I think some of this were like just do a. a uh, Nintendo online 3D, yeah. Yeah. you know, th- app or whatever, and they're not doing that. They're 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 having to remake those games. So. I, I, yeah, I got to look at. They're not still selling. They're definitely not still selling 3DSs. No, but sometimes you can no. get confused if you walk and into they, the they right. They shut down wall. the shop. Like you can't mm-hmm. even get the the eShop well, stuff. They did, they're but, not, but I I would bet there's probably still a ton of 3ds's yeah. in the channel. Like if you go into a Best Buy, I'm sure right. you can find a 2ds or a 3ds. You go into a Wayward still. Walmart, they're still selling 3ds games yeah. at 39.99. Well, that's the thing. You go on eBay, and everybody has gotten super opportunistic. It's like a new 3 or used 3ds for four hundred dollars. Like eat my dick. Come on, <laughs> fuck off with that. But uh, yeah, this this in uh, Dark Moon. I would consider them the the, the best 3DS games, um, other than Monster Hunter. But you know that's my personal preference. And the Monster Hunters have been ported other places, and those those I'm, I'm just not sure about 3D Land. Um, would I would I also? And I, I I think I'm being totally an asshole about this, but I glanced at other Mario games. When how you, dare you? When you look at the Mario movie and how that world looks, it looks a lot like. The, how the Mario started to look with 3D land. Sure. Mm-hmm. It, it, with the big yellow areas, with pipes going all over the place that you can see uh, with every camera angle. You know, the sides, obviously, it, it's a 3D version of the, the side scrollers, but it like, for kids who are falling in love with the Mario movie, this is the first game that kind of looks like that. Yeah, and, so, yeah, you mean like the nonsensical, like, oh, there's a floating island with a waterfall just in the middle of the sky. Yeah, yeah, no just because like the Galaxy games were all floating islands and and didn't and didn't maintain the pipes and yellowy look. And like when I looked at the movie, it just I wondered like, when did they distill this down to the Mario style? And you know, the games before and after this didn't look like that. It didn't look like that. Mario Land is where that look starts. 
And uh, yeah, I can't say enough nice. Yeah, I would want to go back to like the the 3D renders in the manual for Mario 64 to to compare those. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which ones? And like uh. Oh, like the art assets? The art, like the, yeah, the like SGI workstation yeah, yeah. renders of Mar- here's oh, Mario yeah. at full resolution, like unlike what, like as opposed to what you see in the game. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I would, yeah. I, I would love. But to yeah, see in a shipping stuff. game, certainly, I agree. And 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 the only way right now where you could foresee Nintendo re-releasing this if there was some 3DS content on uh, as part of Nintendo Switch Online, I don't foresee that happening. Or if they could bundle this with with something else, but but since there's nothing really like it, what would they bundle it with? It, with the Bowser's Fury sequel, yes. yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Love yeah. Included exactly. as an as an extra with yeah the full Bowser's Fury, whatever that game is leaning toward. And uh, yeah, that remember I remember in the marketing they're like it's the Tanuki, it's back, and like all it does is swipe your tail. It helps you fall slower. For sure. It turns into a statue, and you can get that golden version that basically makes you invincible. I want to go on another tangent where I criticize Nintendo's design. Go for it. In everybody's obsessed with the suits. Like Mm -hmm. people love Mario. Like they want to know what new suits are in the new Mario game. In Super Mario Brothers 3, the suits were interesting because you could deploy them in any level. Mm-hmm. And you could recontextualize mm-hmm. those right. levels using these new powers. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at like Mario Galaxy, Mario Galaxy is oh. full of suits, that but suck. the suits are tied to the levels. The you're spring not, suit, yick. You're not wearing the B suit into any level and seeing how that affects <laughs> the level. You're wearing yeah, the B yeah, suit yeah. in the level that's designed for the B suit. There's no discovery. It's all just holding your hand. Every, like, here's where you use the B yeah, suit. Everything no, is just Karibo's shoe now. There is no recontextualization. Well, yeah, and, and Karibo's shoe is the one place in that game where they did design the level around the mm-hmm. the suit. Yeah. 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 The, and, and, but it does introduce the propeller helmet, which has made <laughs> it into other Mario games. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Um, that and is introduced in 3D Land. Which, which is the only prop Chris and I can afford from the Disneyland auction I went to last week that's is a true. propeller helmet. $100 Disneyland propeller helmet. Chris, we got a bid together in that. Yeah, Patreon.com slash laser tag. You want to hear that new episode <laughs> where we discuss Matt's auction <laughs> and how to buy nerds. It's stuff. awesome. Right. It's awesome. But yeah, I'd love, I'd love to see this again, man. I have, I have a ton of affection for this game. I played it through all the way through uh, two and a half times. Yeah, it's it's so weird that like we yeah the 3ds I mean we've done shows on this there's so much that's just trapped mm-hmm. it was a huge platform in terms of system sales in terms of number of games produced for that platform in terms of hit games on that platform it's like there's no way there's no way that Nintendo just ignores all that and's like yeah that's lost forever like no oh. it, that can't be <sighs> the case can if, it if anyone could ignore that kind of legacy forever yeah, yeah I mean they they're yeah. They're making plenty of money, yep. mm-hmm. so yeah. I think they they can they can ignore whatever they want. And I I do think that to their credit, I think they have some kind of standard. They don't want to re-release an old game that looks substandard that couldn't be discovered and beloved by another generation. And well, yeah, a they, little they bit... have incredibly high standards. And yeah, uh, but and I they they're they're I do think they are. So I was going to compare them to like Activision, mm-hmm. which has become like they just they just make Call of Duty now and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they have this huge catalog, they don't they don't give a shit because they're they make all their money on Call of Duty. Yeah, uh, but that's not really a fair comparison because Nintendo does do 
passion projects that they get excited right. about. Like someone internally, I think is what happens. What happens is that like someone internally gets like a drive to do. I want to do a sequel to this old game, which is why they never do Metroid sequels mm-hmm. because Metroid wasn't a hit in Japan. Yep. Like mm-hmm. none, none of those people care about that game. Right. But if you can appeal to some old guy, and that was also his passion project. Yes, you could have a green light under your ass, kid. That's right. Let's 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 cross our fingers. It's it's always possible, and I'll talk about it in the next segment. I have an idea. I All right. have an idea. I have it. It just it almost like Nintendo standards are too high. Like you can't make everything the Link's Awakening remake. You can see how much work went into that fucking game. Just to put out an old game and it feels like that's what they want to do unless it gets spit out as a ROM just to switch online something they don't have to do anything to and there are, there is work that would have to be done on Mario 3D Land in order to release it again hmm. on any other platform well there's work that would have to be done on our also, but given that this might be one of the most popular Mario products of the 90s, I'm surprised we've never seen a follow-up. <laughs> Better play that sound I gave you. All right. Well, yeah, I'll let, I'll let the sound you gave me tell people what the game is. It was like half the ROM size right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was because that was also on the, back when few games talked in the Super Nintendo in the intro, it would always be a diff it would always be a, a I think 5% of the time you would hear that as the intro when you hit start. And back in the day before YouTube, like I just remember starting this game over and over again I could never hear that. And I, it just occurred to me, oh, it's probably on YouTube and all these people speculating you you can only execute the sound if you do this and like a coder comes in, it's just random and it's at the low end. <laughs> but now we can play it all the time we want. But as a kid I was just like I would get disappointed when I didn't hear Ooh Baba, Mario Paint. It's two guys doing sit ups. Yeah. What does that have to do with what you're about to do? <laughs> so the first clip that I played, the music, is just from the title screen, and it might be one yeah. of the most interesting title screens ever done on the Super Nintendo, where you can move the mouse around and click on the various letters. They'll do different things. One of them turns everything into a photo negative. What If you click on the A, it will just fall, and if Mario is directly under it because he's running around back and forth, uh, he will get pushed off the bottom of the screen and, you know, come Adorable. back eventually. Uh, you can click on the R and it'll jump down and, and walk around for a little bit. Stuff like that. But like right off the bat, right from the title screen, it is just sort of encouraging creativity. Like, here, just kind of poke and prod at things. See what I, happens. I I like, I was having a discussion with JR on an upcoming bonus time. I, I, I grew up obsessed with comic books and cartoons. And I, you know, I lacked the patience and skill to draw. I'd always try. And every time there'd be some new technology, I'm like, this will solve my dilemma. And I thought Mario Paint was going to be my gateway to becoming a great artist. Hmm. And, you know, I open it up and like, it's really hard. I don't have the patience. Throw in every color. Now I've made a mess. This doesn't look good. The commercial made me feel like it. Yet, in Mario Paint, it has this ADHD WarioWare vibe where there's Hmm. just other stuff to click on and feel on and do 
it does help gamify it beyond just like an app, like a literal app, which you could call it <laughs> in yeah. a giant earthbound box. <laughs> but like, yeah, it, 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 I think the most basic thing it did was like, you know, let you use a basic like MS paint level paint program that, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that set it apart was that like it had a rubber stamp tool and it had a bunch of like, you know, Mario icons that you could stamp around and like you know, have these little characters and it would let you animate them and you could yep. compose music and uh, then that you was could nuts. You, you could create little audiovisual presentations on your Super Nintendo. That's kind of nuts. nuts. And then you yeah. could record it on that's, a VHS. That's <laughs> that right. Yeah. Oh, right. There was an instruction instructions and had that and like the Tiny Toons NES um, cartoon workshop. I love if you look mm. on the back. There's like a diagram of how to hook your NES up to your VC, <laughs> 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 so you can save well, your work. <laughs> isn't that like the origins of Homestar Runner? Is the if, right, if the yeah. first ones mm. were made in Mario Paint way back in the day that's, before Flash? That's before what that. I heard. Yeah. That totally wow. makes sense. For the very, very first one, singular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. I want to say to the game's credit, I, I realized like, shit, I failed at being a good artist again, but there's still, I, how old was I? I was probably 11, 12. There was still tons of fun stuff to mess around with in this game. And yeah. no yeah. other game had yeah. a mouse. So like, let you use a mouse. And that, it was still kind of a novelty for someone who's mostly a console gamer. I'm yeah. convinced this game was inspired by like, so like when I, my growing up, my mom was a vice principal at a school and I would have to like stick around after school and wait for her. And so she'd let me just sit on her computer and use the paint program. Right. And I, I'm convinced this game came about by like some executive, like taking their kid to work and be like, here, just mess around with this. And then seeing them mess around and be like, oh, we could just make a game out of that. Like kids will just kind of dick around in these paint programs and do whatever. And usually they're not creating like masterpieces or anything but it's still fun to have a digital paint thing that you can all of a sudden just be like ah i'm gonna hit the reset button or i'm gonna remove what i just did or whatever which you can't do in real life like that commercial it's such a simple promise that commercial led me to believe with the push of a button i would be creating trapper keeper art yeah like up there with lisa (laughs) frank and it was it was really hard it was really hard to do Oh and yeah. Well, I, yeah. Using a mouse to do art is mm-hmm. not easy. Like yeah. one thing I learned, um, you know, when I was working at the AAA dev at my last job is like all the art done in games, they have these like special, super expensive, like Lock art interfaces pen. for yeah. the computer, right? Where they're just like drawing with a digital pen or whatever. And it's like, yeah, of course, because no one can really do, you know, detailed shit with a mouse. Of course not. You know, do you remember that it, it not only came with a mouse, it came with a mouse pad? <laughs> yeah, it, it came with like it, it was looks that like, why the box was so big? Yeah, it looks it looks like the drawing pad that most artists use now. The digital mm, like yeah. it looks like that. It was gritted and no, that's gray. And, hmm. Yeah, it, yeah, it came with a mouse pad because my my only my last stupid memory about this game before I became like you know whatever you want to call this career, uh, our Kmart went out of business and my mom's like, let's go pick the bones. And we were too late. The entire Kmart was down. They just moved two shelves. You walk in the door. You're looking at one shelf, like, horizontally. Mm-hmm. And that's all they had left. Oh, shit. And they had dozens of unopened Mario paints. And I just I kick myself like, <laughs> oh I my god, get, oh, get all seal. of them. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, those will be worth thousands of dollars in about yeah, 30 those, years. Yeah, those... 
someday all of these won't pay my mortgage. Mm-hmm. I'm like, <laughs> should I, if I only would have known. Uh, if only. I want to dig in a little bit into the, uh, specifically the, uh, the music aspect sure. of it. Like the yeah. Mario Paint uh, as, a, as a music tool, I think has a kind of a lasting legacy. Yes. Like people are still making and listening to music. Like it, it's very much in a chiptune kind of a style. Yeah, it was uh, using using that tool, and there's a modern tool called Mario Paint Composer for oh yeah right for for modern computers for Windows I think and maybe other uh, other platforms as well that removes a, removes a few of the limitations, uh, but is otherwise like it's just Mario Paint. You can make Mario Paint tunes in it. I, I think I might have gotten more work out of the music creator than I did hmm. the art creator. Yeah, because I felt like I because it, it's they really like did make you know I, I had a little bit of knowledge of reading music but like it was very easy to understand because they reduced notes and sounds to famous mario icons mm-hmm. i don't really remember what the fucking plane did like <laughs> <laughs> you stick a plane in there to make a music sound well i i, I was I, actually looking at some of the compositions because i thought it would be neat to include one and most of the ones that I was able to find on YouTube were just made with Mario Paint Composer. And like a lot of them were saying, like, yeah, I'm not going to use the vanilla sounds. I insert, created my own sounds. But I did find uh, one of the three original compositions that was included in there. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> you too, kids, can create music of this caliber. I yeah. had no musical instrument, but, you know, we were, like, taught scales in elementary school. But that's somehow, like, oh, that's how a chord works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the other thing about, the other thing that might have made it easier to, to work with music than with, with the paint program is that it's just, like, if you place a note... It's gonna play us. It's gonna play a sample that someone like spent a bunch of time tuning and perfecting, mm-hmm. and it'll sound good. Just one note, like it already sounds good. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you draw a pixel, like it's up to you to make that pixel look good. Yeah, like it's it's right. much faster to uh, like a process, even with modern tools, to like quickly bang out a song that sounds pretty good versus d- doing art that looks pretty good. Yeah, and it it wasn't. It's all like Nintendo's always had this weird hard on, like to let you make stuff with their system. You remember that like three hundred dollar keyboard they announced for the NES? Yes. Like, yeah. No thanks. Wow. That, what was miracle. that called? Piano but then, but then, teaching like, system. Yeah, miracle. Yeah. That was it. And, and then Jim, you may know more about this because it, it's the instantly what I thought of with the disc system because even the sixty four had like crafting apps that were sort of modeled after Mario Paint. That you could like uh, download or ship off, and like uh, like print your creation. Game Boy Camera eventually came out, and it's it's it seems only in this generation has Nintendo kind of given up on that. But it's always had some kind of like unique, very good UI, but limited creator app. Yeah, and, and I wonder uh, how much of that is just like they're kind of giving up on that because phones do it better. Yeah, like not yeah. well, not as well as hmm. PCs for sure. But they do yeah, do it better I, than consoles. I get the feeling that that someone like Miyamoto likes that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
but also like in in terms of things that Nintendo could do that could make my parents bat an eye who are kind of mostly anti-video game it was this kind of stuff where like mm. man if there's a report on an NPR or the local news I might end up getting this and I, they never bought me anything for these systems so this is a <laughs> I, good I also I wonder if there's kind of two things keeping from Nintendo from reviving this series number one being the ubiquity of the internet and how easy it is to share pictures of dicks that mm. people draw with this stuff on their nintendo right the second being it didn't you stop draw from the, the well verse. hold on let me finish my point before you step Sorry. on it you draw the game that pretty much bankrupt thq back in the day because of the number of drawing pads that were remaining because no one bought it like i I wonder if Nintendo's like, hey, we're about to make this. Never mind. No more drawing games. Mm-hmm. Not doing I, drawing games ever again. Did anybody like the, try to take those U-Draw pads and like see if they're any good as like a PC graphic, graphics tablet? I don't know. I have no idea. Oh. I was, was going to say th- their biggest idea. flaw is re- releasing such a product without a Mario on it. Yeah. Big but mistake. the U-Draw did have SpongeBob on it. Yeah. So like. Well, they there have been, I think you could say, a few spiritual successors like Flipnote on 3DS. is like, you know, an oh. animation tool. They shut use. that down while the 3DS was alive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and the and then, that... like, yeah, the the Wii Universe, was it called? What was the draw pictures and share them with people? I, oh, I know. I, yeah. I think it was the Wii Universe, and I know for a fact I unyed everything Michael put up. Because <laughs> that was their like button, yeah, and unyed. Yeah, I never oh, wow. yed anything. <laughs> the, the one I mean, the most to... I ever saw of that was what Splatoon featured drawings from mm-hmm. there, and so did so did Smash, right? Smash would, would yep. bring in Wii Universe drawings. Yeah. In the background. The one that yeah. comes to mind for the, this, actually Nintendo did make this was uh, is Mario Maker. I feel like Mario Maker yep. might oh, be yeah. the modern it's, like yeah. legacy at Nintendo of of Mario Paint because it it yeah. feels very similar in spirit and it you does. can totally make dicks in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another dick. And, and, That's and our yes, next top five. Top five games to make dicks in. To make dicks in. Well, now we know it's Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> Number one, Tears of the Kingdom. Absolutely. Uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Like uh, the Mario Maker Two is kind of the only legacy Mario Paint still has on the modern Nintendo yeah. platforms uh, in terms of first party yeah. stuff. But again, with the disc system in Japan, there was a ton of stuff like that, even for the N sixty four to help make you make your own stuff. And I think that's. Probably a bigger move to help sell video games at a time when video games are slightly demonized by the mainstream. Like, oh, look, it can also do the things you're sending your kids to after-school programs for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and to its credit, man, I was digging around those Prime Day sales, which were god-awful. They were not good. And, and what do I find? Send it to Michael immediately. They, somebody makes a Mario Paint compatible mouse. Like, now, oh, yeah. today. Hyperkin and does. it was... It was in the Prime Day sale. With the Super Nintendo plug and everything, just in case yes. you need a, a replacement. But does it have the mouse ball that you have to clean? Oh, goodness. I That's right. I, just, <laughs> I meant to check on that, if it used the laser or not. God, I, I rem- Can you even do buy mice me. like that anymore? Do not judge me. You have to this 3D print them. My, oh, yeah. This is kind of my first mouse. Did anybody take the mouse ball out? Because there was no other controller you could disassemble mm. uh, along the lines of the Mario Paint mouse. Take it out and put it in their mouth, then wipe it on their shirt. <laughs> so what you're saying is you put Mario's ball in your mouth? Yeah, yeah. Who's the yeah. mouse's but, ball? But artist like Mario, the... berate Mario. I handsome. I mean, <laughs> no, we never did that, Chris. You I, fucking I weirdo. Can't say. Of course not. I, I did lots of shit that I don't remember. I'm sure. Hmm. 
I, I, I didn't do it either. I just okay. First, <laughs> of course, you I, 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 I took the mouse ball out and threw it around the school no. library, but that's different. No, I, I, I never did that either. So don't say that I did. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Says the guy who's the reason switch carts taste so bitter. Apparently, <laughs> they still do. I got. I've got never. Friend's... I've never been brave enough to to even yeah. lick one. I'm like, it's no, I don't. Hilarious. I don't need to taste it. I had it. to try it. It's like it's like Vicks vapor rub. Gross. Yeah, I'm going to come up with my Wait, own shitty version Vicks of Vapor Hot Rub. I'm going to come up with my own <laughs> shitty, ver- my shitty version of Hot Ones where you lick increasingly bitter switch carts. <laughs> I would oh, watch Fire Emblem one is the worst. <laughs> I, like, I like your assumption that there's different levels of bitterness oh, yeah. on the different cards. Oh, yeah. All the M-rated oh, yeah. games have way more bitterness. <laughs> like, this I'm, game's a piece of shit, but boy, that card is sweet. Mm-hmm. It's sweet as honey, that card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mortal Kombat 11, twice the capsaicin. Disgusting. Or or do they make the Kirby ones taste taste worse? Mm. That's also a possibility. Could be. Could right. Be. Yeah. I mean, the you've just been playing a game friendly. where he's sucking stuff into his mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Represent. It's on my shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I feel embarrassed. All right. Well, that has been our top five Mario games that have never been re-released. Jim, I think we're going to lose you sure. after this segment. So yeah, once again, off. where can people find you? Uh, you can find my games on Steam. Uh, you can find me in the Fediverse. Can at, you? <laughs> yeah, if you know where to look. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on the Fediverse at MogwaiPoet at Mastodon.social. Uh, that was real. I really do have a Mastodon account. You really can read my piracy opinions about it. Sweet. On it. Hey. Uh, you can find my podcast at TopicLords.com. Topic Lords. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. It's been great to have you on and to, yeah, it's to been get great to, to be meet on. you in the first place. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Um, and on that note, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some news, some new releases, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. To tell me more about not only a trip to Japan, the the most recent person I know to go to Tokyo Disney Sea, biggest, bestest, most expensive Disney theme park in the entire world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, most expensively good. built, maybe not to visit right now with the strength of the dollar. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to mm-hmm. Tokyo Disney Sea twice to the point where oh, wow. ask me if I'd go again. Would you go again, Chris? I don't know that I would. That place has three hour lines for everything. Well, the thing that I did because the ticket, you know, with the with the mm-hmm. conversion rate and stuff like that, the the ticket itself to the park was only seventy dollars. Damn, really? Which, which is like half as expensive as Disneyland. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And 
welcome back to our final segment where we're just going to go into what I'm sure will be a very quick no frills. But I brought frills. Oh, well, put them back on your dress. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, because we haven't we haven't actually had a chance to play either the big releases this week. Uh, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. Uh, strangely, not... I, I was kind of hoping it was going to be on Game Pass. Not only not on Game Pass, not on Xbox. It's on mm. uh, PC and PlayStation and I think maybe Weird. Switch. Is that, is that where you originally played it? Um, no, I, I, well, I never really originally played it. Uh, I tried, <laughs> yeah. I, but it just like, it, it's one of those things. I found the soundtrack first. I loved it. Hmm. And yeah. it's, you know, like Matt says, I like gamey games. Yeah. <laughs> and it's but just it, it not is one of those yeah. that's been like endlessly mm. recommended and like, yeah, mm. I keep forgetting about it. Yeah. I'll, I'll play it's, it eventually. It's an, it starts off as a standard adventure game that very quickly has sort of a supernatural twist is my understanding. I didn't get that far in it because it's it not gamey a, enough. I mean, I, I played through, like, the very beginning, and it has the supernatural twist pretty damn quick. But Yeah, I didn't like it. That tell, tells, you, tells you how quick I quit that fucking game. I was just like, oh, there's a lot of talking and not much moving with my well, controller. I, I maybe maybe you'll prefer Exoprimal, which is out later this week. Uh, uh, somehow comes, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, grumpy old men over dinosaurs. here. Yeah, I had to have it. Had a hard discussion that Matt didn't even bother to chime in with. Like, boys, it's a coming to Game Pass. It's multiplayer only. We might have to do a rare VGA multiplayer sesh. Mm-hmm. And um, everyone's like, "Really? Like, <laughs> like if, if that's all this game is, why are we, why, it's not for us?" I, well, I, this but, is the uh, game that when they announced it, we were all like, "Why didn't you just call this Dino Crisis?" And mm-hmm. like, that's kind of what this game looks like but it's also like live service dino crisis now what what did look i looked at a recent um like uncut gameplay session and uh i think originally i'm like oh you know like monster hunter meets vanquish or virtual (laughs) giant mechs and then i saw like here come the raptors and i thought they would like run out of a cave there is a vortex that opens in the sky and they fall clumsily to the ground like on their necks and head and have it looks chaotic as shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, is this EDF with dinosaurs? Oh boy. I, I might be so. Aryan. Yeah. If it is, I might be interested. Like I I think there's a, a very high possibility the game is great. I just have not seen anything that has clicked with me in a strong it does, way. Again, it's hard to see what the game actually is because everything, what did I say? It says vanquish level mega flourishes going mm-hmm. off from multiple people. I can't even see what you're shooting at. It's yeah, not that hard to dinosaurs. see what the game is. They, they've done several deep dive like mm-hmm. uh, follow-ups to press conferences and, I, and honestly, they lost me within the first minute of each of those. I'm saying I don't have a feel for what it is, uh, yeah. given because eh, I just, feel like it, I do, and I hope I'm wrong. Yes, but, exactly. I, the only worrisome thing is that like I have never seen Capcom drop a game on Game Pass ever, day one. Hmm. Yeah, but it, it is also a live service game, and they prob- that will increase your user base dramatically. So why not? Maybe. Um, why not a full price game on PlayStation day one free on Game Pass? Who, who can argue? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's all the new releases that we... Don't make me play with randos, man. ...have anything to say about. Um, so it's, it's kind of a light week, so let's skip ahead to what I'm sure is going to be kind of heavy. 
So Limited Run Games did, I think it's the second annual, uh, a showcase uh, where they announced over 20 quote-unquote new titles. Because if you know anything about Limited (laughs) Run... Some of them were new. Some of them were new, but I I really, like... Michael and I were being a little snarky with one another while watching it. And I really loathe the physical reveal, like physical reveal is that what we're saying oh my god you're selling this game physically that's been available to buy for but, years but that's what now. they do that that's what limited i know runs i know i love is, limited yeah. run games however like this this press conference is one of the few like this is utterly charming and worth going back it had and a watching. 90s 90s theme right like specific like, to 95 they they yeah which and it's pretty close like everything they revealed could have been released in nineteen. What was the conceit like? Oh, E3 is disappearing from this picture, like in Back to the Future. So let's go back yeah. to nineteen ninety five and save E3 in twenty twenty three. Yeah, it's got some guy who looks like the Napster creator, mm-hmm. like talking about the CDIs, <laughs> no revolutionary. Yeah, no but it's 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 cute and it's funny and like, dude, the way they reveal games like. And we got this, and it's like 20 seconds. Dude, you do not need a four-minute trailer for every game. Yeah. Holy shit, Castlevania, Castlevania available in a collection? Cool. Well, Castlevania Advance, not... yeah, specifically mm-hmm. the, the yeah. Advance collection, which I, I own digitally, but like yeah, that, that could be neat to have a physical version of well, that. They, they did, did they announce like Harmony of Dissonance and Rondo of Blood or some other stuff in there? I, I can't remember. Like It was a lot. It was a, They announced a lot of stuff in like yeah. less than 30 minutes, so that was really dope. Yeah. Well, some of the highlights I'll just go through. So Chicory is an excellent game, and if you are one of those yeah. people who requires physical releases, they gotcha... Uh, let's see, El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, wow. is getting a physical release. I never thought I'd see that game. For what? Like for 360 PS3 or for PC? Well, I, think, I think they bring them to modern platforms. Oh, no, they, okay. they, yeah, they stylize the boxes. and uh, you know, uh, Yeah, a couple Switch. of these are are exclusive. Like it, for the first time coming to these platforms, hmm. I don't know if yeah. it's exclusively through physical. I kind of doubt it. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So uh, Gargoyles Remastered, which is a game that had been announced, but it, now we know is getting a physical release. If I'm Ooh. just going alphabetically, the next one I think you have a sound for, don't you? They Michael? ended the press conference like, that's all we have for the press conference, and we don't have anything else to reveal except this one more thing. And it looked like they were announcing a physical version of 007, uh, GoldenEye. Yeah. And I was typing to Michael, so bored, blah, 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 and then out of nowhere. Were you expecting someone else? Oh, shit! It's... <laughs> I want to assume that's new dialogue from Dana Gould. The first Gex anything in 25 years. <laughs> 25 years. And like that's part of the reason... Do not want to elongate the segment. Why I love Dana Gould, he's kind of like a Forrest Gump in my life. Back when stand-up was on everything... He like and everybody was like a cool Dennis Miller stand up. He was like weird and mm. overacting. I'm like, oh, I think I like stand up, and then I forgot all about him. And then I buy the Mystery Science Theater episode guide, and they like these are all Dana Gould references. Like, huh? And then I read Dana Gould's writing for The Simpsons. Huh? The first celebrity I ever remember being involved in a video game is Dana Gould, and he wrote the dialogue for Gex. Mm. And then later on, he dressed as Dr. Zayas, and it's just like, I love this man yeah. and would like to marry him. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. but, but like, uh, Gex has been over for so long. It's hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, it's kind of hard for me to get excited about 
a Gex trilogy. I never liked the original games. It's like, okay, <laughs> yeah, fine. They're really yeah. bad. They're really bad and grating yeah, I, I remember because of Dana Gould. Back in the day, there were just, you know, people complaining about how much Gex was talking. And, like, I, I remember, like, yes. PSM did, like, a comic strip with, like, Gex and Blasto just yammering at each other. And, like, shut <laughs> up! <laughs> shut up! That's, that is the same Brady Bunch reference for the 50th mm-hmm. time. Oh my God! Um, th- you're, there's a bunch of stuff you're skipping over. Clock Tower, the original okay, yeah, Super sure. Famicom Crazy. game that started a horror franchise, is getting oh, that's a, the original. Okay. It, yeah, it's a it's yeah. getting a remaster and a full translation for the first time ever in the West. I mean, they're, yeah, by way forward. Yeah, yeah, they're they of all people are handling it. That's super cool. I, I, I feel like this was a giant fuck you to a new story we'll talk about later. <laughs> like uh, only thirteen percent. It's got to be like. 88% now, because Limited Run just, uh, like, made available a ton of games. Do you guys know there was three Jurassic Parks? There's just Jurassic Park, then the Classic Games Collection, then the Chaos Continues. Wow. Yes. What are, what's the difference between those all those three? Are they just different old Jurassic Park games getting releases over here? I don't care at all, because they're <laughs> all bad and not worth revisiting unless you're doing it in one curated collection, which is what I, I, I've said on the show I've always wanted. Mm. I want it mostly with Spider-Man and Batman, but Jurassic Park's a good start. What about, I mean, so this ties into another announcement. So we just had, I think, was it yesterday, as we're recording this, that Digital Eclipse announced that they are doing a remake of Karateka. Kar- yeah. Karateka. Karateka. Although th- th- their trailer has people pronouncing it both ways as a gag, just like Karateka, right, yeah. kar- Karateka. I still remember Putting a Gary, commercial Gary that Wittes said it, it Karateka. <laughs> Definitely not that. We're, yeah. we're, now it sounds like porcelain. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're uh, doing it, Japanese, if it's modeled after Japanese, you're not supposed to really put a lot of emphasis on any syllable, so it'd be yeah. Karateka. Mm-hmm. Karateka. karateka. It, like Dan, Dan did not yeah. tell me about this. I had no advanced knowledge. Mm-hmm. It, but I had said to him, like, you guys are already the Criterion Collection for games. But a long time, when we were making Core, remember mm-hmm. Core? the yes. fucking spelled with and a And I Q. was showing them core. all this, this cool stuff Disney was doing with, uh, DV- they would do these documentaries, and then there would be this button, like, would you like to know more? And a guy talking to another camera would turn to you and like, oh, you would like to know more about... Beauty and the Beast's animatics, and you would just get to expand the documentary or jump to the scene that they were talking about. This is this for games. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is the best way to experience old games. And and the footage that they had in that trailer, holy, Michael, I know nothing of Karate. Right, so this this is the first game that I ever got really invested in. I had it on Apple yeah. II when I was like seven or eight years old. I loved it. I played the shit out of it. And it's one of those that it's like, it's fairly long. And if you die, you have one life. You have to start over at the beginning. It is Jordan Mechner's first game. He went on to create Prince of Persia after this. It set uh, new standards in terms of animation of humans. And like, you know, it's it looks Mm -hmm. the, the characters, the sprites look very simplistic by today's standards, but they move way better than they had any right to in yeah. the, the yep. mid 80s just like just like prince of persia like mm-hmm. that was sort of yeah. jordan neckner's thing exactly yeah this, i missed this somehow but it, it looking at it I'm like they did this before prince of mm-hmm. persia because i thought prince of persia was the first one no to do he did it. he did rotoscoping 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of Karateka now, but like Prince of Persia was the first time I saw it. Mm. So, and just the, the treatment that it's being marketed like a documentary, but this is not only, you could jump to exactly, play exactly what they're talking about in the scene. They have old footage of, what would you, early motion capture. And by that, I mean Jordan's camcorder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I mean then, if that's what they should do. Like, honestly, if they're just, if all Digital Eclipse does is re release old games, I'm not interested. Like, they, I like if it's like, yeah, we're the Criterion collection, but then they can actually use the technology available in video games, just like yeah. they did with the, that Atari 50 collection. Like, that was yeah. great, you know? But right. yeah, it, I was already impressed with documentary content and a curated games package, but this is something different. It looks. Yeah, it, it includes not just an interactive documentary, but four different versions of the game. Yeah, one of which I'm, yeah. I, I, which I don't, I don't know what one of them is. One of them is a full remaster that looks amazing. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. They yeah. also have, I'm guessing, the original, probably the terrible Famicom version and, and NES, which There's a lot Famicom. of people think the game sucks, and I think that's because their main experience with it is through the, the, the yeah. Nintendo version. Um. Huh. And I, d I don't know what the other one is. Maybe Atari, I want to say. It came out for the 2600, but I could be wrong. Crazy. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's everything I wanted to see. Like, and it's so... When we, were, when we were younger, there was a giant push. Like, we got to make interactive movies. And they were always embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> Very embarrassing. And, and the idea that, like, now in games is the perfect way to do mm. that. Like, in a, in a solid state within a solid state hard drive world to immediately load up to the point they're talking about. So yeah, cool. I think it's neat. Uh, one of the proudest moments of my career actually was getting to interview <laughs> Jordan Mechner and tell him about my experience with uh, Karateka as a kid where like, you know, I played this game for what felt like years and was probably months uh, where like this was my favorite. I'd go back to it always, you know, I'd keep dying but keep pushing ahead and you know, discovering like, oh, there's a new challenge. What's what's beyond this portcullis that slams down and kills me every time I tried to go through it? And I would have dreams about what might be beyond that. And finally, you know, I made it and then go into the next hallway and get killed by this stupid bird that comes out of nowhere. And finally played through it again from the beginning, figured out how to get past the fucking bird, got to the end, fought the last boss, and uh, the door opens and I see the princess in front of me and I walk toward her and she kicks me in the balls and I died. <laughs> and this was such a huge trauma to me. And, and like I t telling the creator about this, like not in a vindictive way, but like I was traumatized at the time I was crying. My parents thought it was hilarious. And in retrospect, they were right. <laughs> but it's like, it's not funny. Yes, I spent were. months playing through it. And so, what I, I, I realized somehow on my own, what I had done wrong is you have to, you know, I had walked toward the princess. So every other encounter in this game, you can run and you can mm -hmm. walk. And if you run and if an enemy hits you while you're running, you die instantly. Uh, th that's, hmm. It's that way if you walk towards the princess. However, if you, you're supposed to run toward her, it's the cinematic ending and then you will embrace and you'll get your happy ending. So you could also you can even read it as like a statement on trust. Like you have to drop your guard in order to reunite with the princess at the end. And like 
Or you got to catch mm-hmm. her off guard. Well, you know, if you if you run toward her, she'll she'll open her arms and and you know you'll embrace. Mm-hmm. But if you walk toward her, she'll just keep her arms by her sides the whole time. And then when you get close, kick you, you know. in the balls, you die. Actually, yeah, you again. My 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 knowledge of this is not great. This predate when you were describing it, it sounds like out of this world slash another world, and this mm-hmm. is like this out is, in an NES era before that. This is 1984. Jesus Christ! Yeah. On Apple IIe. Wow. So, yeah, I, I cannot wait to to see whatever this is. God damn, I love Digital Eclipse. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm super looking forward to this. Chris Kohler is working on it. He does mm-hmm. great work. Yeah. Um, other other things that interested me, and then you guys can jump in because apparently I'm skipping over Michael's favorites. Yes. So that new Shantae. <laughs> Shantae Advance, Risky Revolution, all the Shantae games are phenomenal, phenomenal, and I, I love them all. Again, Shantae Chris could care stay. less about Tomba what? is coming. I like Tomba. <laughs> you said you said you you always liked it more in theory than when you actually played yeah. the game. Kinda, yeah, but it, it looked like it looked like making a cartoon out of a sprite character. If a, a, like, yeah, but sure. it, I've, I've never yeah. loved it, and I, I have other baggage about it. I'll tell you off, Mike. So okay. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Michael. What 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 on here was exciting? What, uh, what is the mutant the the TMNT soundtrack collection? That was interesting. It's just soundtracks from the various games, or I don't remember. I don't, but yeah, I why is limited it. run releasing? What what did catch my attention was Plumbers Don't Wear Ties Definitive Edition wow. because like okay, why wow. would you re-release this? Speaking and, of bad interactive movies, but yeah, but but interactive <laughs> documentary where like oh you, okay, there's a bunch of behind the scenes featurettes and interviews you've remastered the original footage i mean i'm not interested in playing it but i might be interested in it as a document well these are the kind of things i remember a few years ago i bought night trap on switch Mm -hmm. i think i bought it for two dollars and that was about the right price because it was always (laughs) it had always been a curiosity to me and i'm like yeah you know if i can get this stuff for two bucks sure i'll check it out plumbers don't wear ties is very much that it's it was like an adult game i think for like a softcore porn game for like uh, 3DO or CDI or something like Ooh, that. Oh boy! Oh yeah. boy! Yeah, you know, you know, like Cinemax level. I don't know. Um, yeah. But the thing that you're glossing over is Arzette, the Jewel of Faramore, because again, why the fuck would you make this? It sounds. It's it's one of those things. that's like on the one hand, why? On the other hand, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of fascinating. Like like yep. Jim said, like that's the sort of game that he might make. And if you think about it like as a very tongue in cheek thing, like, all right, okay, I'm interested, but it is a game in the style of the Zelda CDI games. Uh with like that same sort of strange low res hand drawn animation mixed with a uh, very colorful, pretty side scrolling action. And apparently in the, in the cuts in the cutscenes, the game yeah. looks like a fine side scroller. Yeah, the, the cutscenes are in that you know Zelda CDI style where it's the like, Doctor Cat's squiggle yeah, vision. Yeah, the Doctor Cat's squiggle vision, like right in the middle of the screen. And uh, apparently, it has why some would you of make the same a game like that? I, I don't understand. I don't know. Oh, so, oh, I uh, see you're doing Doctor Cat's. I'm God. doing Doctor Cat's. Yeah, yeah. Squiggle vision is a good way to put it. Brendan. Brendan. Uh, where's my Where's my copy of Arzette, mm-hmm. the Jewel of yeah. Fair. I wonder if they got the same uh, ex-Soviet animation studio to do it. <laughs> oh, man. 
Um, I'm I'm taking this opportunity to bridge into the inspiration of our top five. Um, yeah. Because you, you, we we mentioned limited run games, and actually, there's a quote. I feel like limited run in, in Karateka took a huge dent in whatever percentage they presented. So well, but but there's a quote in this article. Uh, well, IGN kind of did a summary of this article about that that only 13 percent of classic games are commercially available. And when Michael, when you're like, why would you do this? Because yeah, like literally the CEO of Limited Run is quoted in this article saying like, by yeah, Cap Bailey, games. by the way, friend of the show, Cap Bailey. Nope, there you go. Uh, but, but basically said, uh, you know, ports of games can, can cost up to $350,000. Now I doubt our Zet is costing $350,000 for that port, right? But it's like, yeah, some of these are like, how much demand is really out there? It's not a port for- though. It's a, it's a new game. Like that's the thing. Like, why are you making game? a new game well, that, that, in the that, style that, of these that is weird oh. old games that are universally <laughs> reviled? I thought for some reason I thought that was just a port of an old game that oh, I no, never it's, knew about. It's all new. Oh uh, well, that's also a distinction. Um, this that's report. even more expensive than by the way. Yes, I was <laughs> going to say it's going to cost a lot more than three hundred and fifty k. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, in this article, so thirteen percent of of classic games are available and. Kind of, I feel like the the headlines and some of the poll quotes were a bit misleading about this one. Where Sometimes. one of the poll kit cuts in particular, this, this was this was a study, by the way, put out by uh, Frank Cifaldi and the Video Game History Foundation. Um, and one of the poll quotes was like comparing these games, like, well, can you imagine if you couldn't find a copy of Titanic, right? And I'm like, well. The kind of games that are lost to time aren't the Titanics of the <laughs> Aren't world, the highest right? grossing movies of all <laughs> right, time. Right, right. <laughs> but luckily in the study, they did actually compare. They were like, this is more like a comparison to like silent films, right? Which yeah. of which they, I think it was like 12% of those are available and the rest are lost to time. Well, things it, like it might pre- just be that 12% survived, period. Like you can't even get them illegally. They're not oh. even in the libraries of collectors. Right. They all just burned because of I the silver go nitrate this. film. I want to go, yeah, like uh, if you saw... If you don't know who George Melies is and haven't seen Smashing Pumpkins Tonight Tonight music mm-hmm. video, uh, that's one of the most famous black and white images ever. Almost all that guy's movies were lost before anybody yeah. gave a shit. Like, they're all gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They can't like, be By preserved. the way, sorry, it was 14% of those silent movies and then 10% or less of pre-World War II audio recordings are available. Everything else is just lost to time for... Partially what right. Michael said, like, you know, either the medium itself just couldn't last and disintegrated where they couldn't they couldn't keep this stuff. And so games are very much in line with some of those. But, you know, we always lament the fact that all of that stuff was lost. And I think what the study, the goal of it, obviously, is Frank Cifaldi has been very vocal about this for years, is game companies not only like, is it like, hey, a lot of this is just being neglected and they're not taking the time or attention to preserve this stuff. Sometimes they are actively um, fighting against initiatives such as letting libraries maintain uh, copies of some of this stuff in perpetuity. The the ESA in particular. Because if if you haven't dealt with your local library, you might not even know they have a streaming service. You can watch movies on on your local library for nothing through your public library. What was even more interesting to me was to find out – this is semi-recent for me within the last couple of years – you can get books digitally through the library. Yeah. You never have to go. However, the library seems to have to treat that like they treat it like a physical copy. 
Yeah, you can, well, mm-hmm. there's only a certain number of digital cer- yes. copies yeah. they can lend out. Libby is one of the apps that, mm-hmm. that does yeah. it. Canopy, uh, yeah, uh, Magnolia, uh, none of them work in my town, so it doesn't matter. It, it, it's but all like, tied in with your county, whatever your county library system is. But th- they, that that a- seems to appease the copyright holders, the idea that there are four digital versions of this book, and you do have to get in line to get it. So maybe you'll get out there and buy it. Maybe you'll find another way, blah, blah, blah. But the ESA according to this article, is actively blocking measures to make digital, dig, digitally accessible copies of games available in any way, in, in, in a, a library kind of way. And uh, I, I love that you brought up silent film because, like, when Michael and I started doing a podcast, we were almost exactly re- recording a podcast about video games and video game history that was the silent film era from the beginning of from the beginning of Pong to when we were recording. Like mm-hmm. that was, but things exponentially speed up when it comes to technology. And um, uh, yeah, like, like the only part of the article I thought was unfair. They like you. I think Kotaku was like, like Yakuza. There, you can't get the original Yakuza. I'm like, you can get. The, Kiwami, mm-hmm. which is a much better way to experience the original Yakuza. Like, but the original, I'm like. This is where films and games are different because, like, you're going to have a much better time playing Kiwami than accessing the PS2 Yakuza. And it it is kind of weird in that I think video games age much in in a very different way than films do. Sure. Exponentially. The silent film is a good comparison because, Mm -hmm. similarly to a lot of classic games, a lot of people aren't really that interested in going back and watching silent movies. Uh, But, and, Mm -hmm. and, like, a lot of. Probably 80% of classic games that I grew up with cannot hold my interest anymore. Like, I will play yeah. that shit for, like, five minutes and then feel like I'm wasting my time. Well, I think there's there's so many reasons, though, for this. Like, it all adds up to be – the situation, by the way, they classified as dire. <laughs> just mm. straight up dire. Yeah. But, like, think of it this way. Like, games – obviously, the last generation was an exception and was pretty long. But even then – Game generations typically last between five and ten years. Let's just say, mm-hmm. on average, right? Stupid Game Boy thrown off the average. Mediums for films last ten yeah. to twenty years, right? Like we're switching uh, between like, okay, we had VHS for at least a good ten to fifteen years before it was DVD, and then you had DVDs about ten years, maybe maybe more before Blu-ray and stuff. So like, I love that you brought that up. Because that you. is super, super important. I am an exceptional mm-hmm. host. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> one of the things, like, uh, like obviously, like, uh, we can simultaneously agree that games aren't film. and uh, But the the history of film is, like, all we really have to compare things to. Yeah. And the reason why we know about classic film is for uh, one huge reason. Television and cable. Let's, and I'm singling out cable. Okay. Uh, television was considered like, you know, it's film's little brother. Television wasn't didn't cr- get created like that, but it turned out like we need to fill this time. What if we go buy the rights to these old things and broadcast them mm-hmm. on our mm-hmm. television channel? Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful life. Failure. The, the company, when you talk about game copyrights, the company that made It's a Wonderful Life died after that movie. And then because of television, 
It's a Wonderful Life is a classic now. Yeah. Uh, it's been running for years. And, and what video games really need and don't have, and it sucks, is cable. Is, a, is no a persistent cable. medium. Well, yes. they have it now. They have it now. They do. Streaming. There's one. Streaming. Streaming right now. That's what sucks because it's like it, we could compare it to streaming if Netflix sold televisions, which they don't. But it's it's like well, streaming is really just PC, right? It's it's PC running on a, on a right. server. So PC is our great equalizer, like TV was to movies. Of like, yeah, once you get a, once you port a game to PC, the chances of it living on uh, uh, increase exponentially. I would imagine. I don't think this. I don't yeah. think the study mentioned that at all. But it's what like, what we should have got in some form is the video game version of cable, and we sort of did with compilations, but they're still like pay-per-view television the idea is you pay i want entertainment i'm giving you this money please give me this entertainment i don't know what you're going to give me but you might license something from the past gaming has never had that and it sucks and the opportunity is there and and if you don't know i don't know much about ant stream i've never used it but do you, do you guys know ant stream no no no. It's this. You can play Earthworm. You can stream Joust. What is this Earthworm streaming gym. for ants? Sorry. <laughs> this. <laughs> uh, it, damn it. Uh, it! It's it's a, a, a an app you can get on numerous platforms where you can stream classic games, uh, ad supported, huh. like cable was. Uh, well, actually, cable's always been a premium fee, but whatever. Sure. Uh, with ads, but, network you, TV so you get double but the premium version of it, like everyone's like, oh, you can't save your shit on the, and it's very easy for them to stream these old games. But mm. right now, it's only old games. But so was cable in the 1950s. Yeah, Dracula, Frankenstein, all that shit was dead. Universal had buried it. When it hit television, it hit a new generation and created new fans. Gaming doesn't have the equivalent. It, it does. It does. But unfortunately, it's in. This is what gets scary. It's emulators. No, well, there's a little bit of that, but Steam. I was mm. talking about once it gets on PC, yeah. right? So Steam is the only thing that kind of guarantees if your game will run through Steam, in theory, it'll carry over yeah. generations of PC. The problem with that is then that puts all the power in. Imagine if Turner owned every yeah. classic movie, right? Because at that point, Valve yeah. just owns every classic game that will be archived on Steam. And that's a little... Yeah. yeah. Well, but also, like, it's not... I think part of this article is also calling out like that's available if you can buy it or if you if you have the tech prowess and yeah. knowledge to know how to do things like emulators like you're talking about, Chris. And Safaldi's pointing out like most people don't, but most everyone can go to the library and check out a book. There's no easy way to be like, hey, I'm curious to play this old game. If you don't know how to use emulators, if you don't have a gaming PC that'll run right. Steam, you're kind of out in the in the cold. You know, it's yeah. Uh, well, e even then, like S Steam is kind of dependent on the original developers updating it and making sure it's compatible with more recent uh -huh. hardware That's and true. OSs. Yeah. And I, I I watched thing on Twitter earlier today. Like some developer was getting into a fight on some guy with the Steam comments because this guy was like, eh, "This doesn't work exact 100 on my hardware," and it's like. It's a six. Like, why don't you? Why don't you uh, maintain the game? You know, people shouldn't buy it if you're not going to maintain it. And it's like, I made this six years ago, and it costs a dollar yeah. fifty. It is not worth my time. <laughs> no, to yeah, go no, back yeah. and continually and, 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 retool it to make sure it's compatible with hardware that didn't exist back then. And another problem, film, film didn't have to worry about. That's exactly right. So, like, that's another thing they called out is is games are a little bit different in that once the tech can't support them, like. Some to play to actually play classic games without emulators and stuff like you need to rely and maintain on hardware that like 
there is a limited number of Atari parts out there. I believe we've talked on the show before about like kind of the, the cranky company that re- that sells used Atari parts, and once they're out of stock, yeah. they're gone. There's no more of those. They're not being produced, and it's yeah. like well, he, he, here's the fun. It, and I'm, I'm this is a, sort of a sidebar, but if you guys remember watching when we're in the '80s, we're watching Looney Tunes or Popeye. And there'd be this AAP logo that would come up before every cartoon with the faces of the characters. I'm sparking a memory in somebody. I'm sorry if you're bored, my co-host. Trying to remember. Just not remembering. That is a television company that, like, your memories might be synonymous with. That never appeared in the theatrical version. It was a television company that, Mm. like, oh, shit, we licensed these Looney Tunes. Like, there's a reason there's racist and war references in there. They were meant to be shown in 1942 and go away. Hmm. And, and, and in the 1950s, that changed. And, and yeah, Don't worry about it. These will cease to exist by the time people are mad about racism. Right. Like, they didn't have to worry about that. They were South Park. By the time attitudes change, we'll be dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 and uh, sorry, I forget where I was going, but, but I was looking at Antstream, and Antstream is, uh, it's a pretty great service but it really does focus a lot on like 1991 and earlier Mm. but whatever like there's still channels out there that play nothing but mash and i love lucy there's an audience Mm. for it yeah and and, and like but right now games are only in an on-demand format other than game pass and ps plus yeah uh other than antstream and guess antstream what console can you stream that on the Atari VCS. Oh, that wow. is it. Oh, wow. And, 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 and so, like, what, what that article I wish pointed out is, like, Microsoft has been open. Like, we'd love to have Game Pass on other platforms. It is Nintendo and Sony preventing that. They are preventing preservation by not allowing a platform like Antstream to, uh, to, to be allowed. And, and probably in the current economic model never will. And I'm not a smart man, and I don't always know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to plant a seed and whatever influence we have in the person who can figure this shit out. Like, why shouldn't there be a cable version of video games? I want to subscribe to 60 things. I don't know what's going to be there all the time for one price. Maybe I'll discover something. Maybe I'll be in the mood for a Karateka when it, it just pops up and I can mm. just play it. Uh, and, and games lack that right now. You have to go out of your way and spend extra money on every single game. So, so streaming streaming platforms are the closest to cable, but the other thing, like um, on, uh, we have a bonus time coming out next week with me and Jr. because we just have like crazy, uh, just an update on the look of AI because it's something I can't stop looking at. And again, I'm not afraid on a Skynet level. Uh, one of we had like I don't see a lot of benefit to AI. I see a lot of lost jobs, hmm. except in games. Because a lot of this stuff that is involved in a $350,000 project of not just rejiggering a game, but localizing it, AI might be the solution. Well, to, I mean, people still, that like, that stuff still keeps people employed, is the thing. No, I, I know, but, like, you've worked in, I've worked in, at a Japanese company. The price of localizing a game mm. ends up pricing it out of existence. Mm. Well, that that's the thing, is porting... Getting these older games to run on current platforms, like the limited run CEO said, it can cost up to three hundred fifty thousand dollars to port, right. Right? Yeah. and that's today's dollars. That's going 
go up, you know, as inflation goes up. So and I'm not saying the localization process isn't important and can and should be replaced by AI. Yeah. It was just one of those things where, like, it's also I don't know if you've read any machine translated games. They are rough. They're, they they're, they need a lot of work. Would you accept rough and accessible or? Not never, never. I mean, never. you know, I do. Maybe not in a commercial product. I mean, like but... like most most people who play fan fan translated games are dealing with rough already. Yeah, and uh, and and so like, I don't like AI. I don't like what it does. I don't think, it, except when it comes to certain automated aspects of getting games playable and available. Because like, Antstream is gorgeous, and I'm looking at. What controllers do we support? And it's like PS2, no. PS4, no. PS3 works perfectly. Because you know there's a small group of people out there trying to figure out how to get certain controllers to work for certain things. They have to prioritize their time. AI, in regards to this article, AI might be the savior. Because that's a, that's a huge, huge impediment. Uh Games might not have to deal with if they can if they can embrace some aspect of AI, and I don't like saying it. I prefer the cable of games. That's what I want you to mm. make that happen somehow. That that exists. Like, That's what Game Pass and PlayStation Plus yeah. are. PlayStation Plus literally has a thing called the game catalog. You know, but, they uh, they are, but again, they still exist in like a, a you know you know you interact differently with Game Pass than you did your TV twenty years ago. Yeah, but no like, one, no one consumes media like they did twenty years ago. So I don't it's think true. I don't think having a constant stream of Satellaview mm-hmm. Satellaview well, is not going to save games. I, I like, think the argument game. of a lot of these the, the game preservation argument is that like, look, there's two ways currently to quote unquote preserve games. You either have the physical things you you right. obtain and maintain uh, uh, antique hardware, or Ridiculous. you pirate. And I think mm-hmm. the case that some people are trying to make is that there needs to be some sort of legitimate middle ground between the piracy and yep. the nothing like you know companies should maybe they they've been turning a blind eye honestly to a mm-hmm. lot of classic game piracy like i could yeah. type in game name rom and probably find something in a heartbeat right uh on any number of sites but uh the that's not a good solution, and it's not really no. preferable to anybody, and it is illegal. So it would be great if there were some middle ground where it's just like, we're going to make these widely or cheaply available. We, Nintendo is going to start selling the ROMs for like, you know, $5 a piece with an emulator, something. I don't know. And I, w- I wish they would, because like the history of Nintendo and Disney is very, very intertwined. And the idea that Walt Disney, before he died, I'm just going to dramatically say it's on his deathbed. Only Dumbo and Alice in Wonderland can be shown on television. (laughs) He literally said that. That was the rule. You could never show any Disney movie on television that wasn't those two movies. Period. The the rest of them needed to be watched in theaters Hmm. and, and bought. And he had... Walt Disney died way before the home video format. Well, the the thing is that they don't tell you is that uh, he put a fucking in there. Only he did. Alice in Wonderland and Dumbo can be shown on television fucking because he, he was even delirious threw a cunting in dying. there for, for Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Like, cunting Dumbo can only be shown on Magical World of Disney 
80 years from now. <laughs> Took one final drag on a cigarette and then died alone. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, like, uh, but the only reason I think society cares about film preservation is that we had the luxury of experiencing that through cable. Those movies were gone. Those movies were lost and they were never uncovered until cable had it. Like we need inventory mm-hmm. and, and there's no gaming version of that. Like, uh, except for answering. Like uh, we have a service. Every new thing we get here is exciting, and and but we but conversely, Game Pass. Remember how like we had a talk a, a couple months ago, like the idea of GoldenEye being released anywhere, let alone on two platforms, couldn't exist, and it does because it's on. It both is on Switch Online and Xbox Game Pass. Well, GoldenEye is a great example, though. Like it's yeah. It's really hard to get some – just like movies, by the way. It's really hard to make some games commercially, commercially available. So one that was mentioned was actually put out by a company I worked for. So No One Lives Forever is kind of one of those yeah, games mm. that everyone talks about. It's yeah, lost that's history. That's what Kat uses as, as the image. It's a great example. That game has three rights holders, none of which know who actually owns the rights to – the full right. rights to oh, the game. Boy. Right. It's GoldenEye is very, simple, very, very similar. It's like, well, who owns – who actually owns those rights? And you got to – that takes time and money to go figure that stuff out if you're going to make something commercially available. And so you understand why for certain levels of games – by the way, we're, we're not talking about your hit games. Your hit games will always be available yeah. in perpetuity. Mm-hmm, Just like right. with movies, it's like if, if it's a big enough game and it, and it has the potential to make enough money, someone will figure out a way to release that commercially on new platforms. Okay, We're talking about the stuff that's like falls – between the cracks it's like well right. we can't guarantee this is going to make yeah. our money back so we're talking about at, and stuff I, and I you've get never it. heard of i get it as commercial enterprises as a business they'd be fools to spend that money if they <laughs> if they didn't know they were going to make their money back so i think what safali's fighting for is like there's got to be some way where like like you said it's like maybe you sell the roms for cheap or, or whatever it right. is right but as mm-hmm. long as there's potential for them not to have to sell those roms for cheap i don't blame nintendo like nintendo's not a charity they are a I, business I, you know yeah. part part of me bringing up cable is discussing why gaming hasn't had that innate act of self-preservation because there hasn't been a company that swoops in like yeah we'll sell your three stooges shorts on local affiliates for the next 40 years and make you millions like that doesn't exist in gaming and it should i wish it did the other another thing i've noticed talking about nintendo like people keep talking about nintendo as if they're just constantly cracking down on anything and my experience with with you know watching them is like they are pretty quiet unless they are working on yeah they're working on a remaster or something like the the uh, Metroid uh, 2 fan remake project, I remember. Right. Like, that was a very high-profile thing where they shut it down. Why did they shut it down? Because they were working on their own version, and they didn't mm. want the fan one to compete with them. Uh, same mm. with, uh, I think, Pikmin 2. P- they were trying to, like, shut down the Dolphin emulator because people were playing mm. Pikmin 2. Why? Because it's getting a remaster. Nintendo is a much smaller company than people imagine. They don't have the legal bandwidth to target everyone doing something with IP or ROMs. Mm. But you do need to set a legal precedent if you have to start suing people that, like, we saw this and we acted. I forget what it's called. It's literally a legal precedent. Like, you will lose. Yeah. It's how they won the name Donkey Kong. Because yeah, uh, if you because don't Universal defend your copyright, then didn't, you lose de- it. didn't defend the name Kong in other other places. So it's like it's the origin story of Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, 
But, but but more than that, there there needs to be other, other options. And I, I just look at something like Anstream, like this should exist on consoles and you know they're fighting it tooth and nail. And it like it's only available in app stores and on PCs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it should be elsewhere. The Atari VCS, for fuck's sake, why is that the console exclusive for them that you can play on your television? You can play 13, I think it's 1300 old school games. Uh, it, it shouldn't be like that. And I don't know, like, and there has to be like, did you read about the TCM stuff? Like when T, uh, mm-hmm. the new management of Warner Brothers, like just fucking scythe through the, the department at Turner Classic Movies and Turner Classic Movies has been that thing. We're going to tell you why this movie is important and we're going to pay to show it to you. And if we have to remaster it, we will. And that's kind of what Digital Eclipse is doing. And Warner Brothers like, eh, there's no commercial sold in this network. It's not important. Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, and Paul Thomas Anderson got on a call with him and like, yeah. you need to keep this up. And we'll, I believe but, their settlement was they're going to work for them for free to help curate catalogs. Apparently, Zaslav is the one who called them, not the other way around. Oh, yeah. It, I don't see that at all. <laughs> like, uh, that's... No, yeah, because I'm going to call these three yeah, people. I'm going to call these three people, and they can be a spokesman for my shitty. They can be spokespeople for my shitty decision, and mm. and they can work for free and so, be very so high like, profile. That's, that's the other side of the coin. Like talking about this is like to tell you why it's hard for games to do this, but also like films not in the great state either. Like if you can't release it on Blu-ray, you can't release it as a Fathom event. You can't release it, like, sell a streaming service off it. All those films are fucked. Yeah. Fucked. Like, so, yeah. like, it doesn't No, no it doesn't one matter. is preserving Bikini Traffic School. Mm. You know, yeah. But they should, because future generations <laughs> might watch Bikini Traffic School and become inspired to start their own Bikini Traffic Schools. <laughs> According to the story about the Turner Classic Movie Story, they were, like, Warner Brothers just released a hundred years of Warner Brothers documentary series uh, directed by, like, I think, is it iWorks? The Ube, granddaughter, Ube the Works? person who created Mickey. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forget, because both Disney's granddaughter and iWorks' daughter make documentaries mm-hmm. but it's one of them mm-hmm. and like how how dare you make a hundred year olds this is why we're an important legacy and not support your legacy you have to put money into your legacy if you want to be acknowledged as an important titan in this industry there has to be a budget for that and i hope what i'm saying gets across to yeah. somebody at a company there needs to be a legacy company well, to protect there, its but, shit that, that, but i think the word company you, that's never going to work because it's not profitable. Maybe. What you really need is the Spielbergs of the world, uh, the people with. You need kind of those benefactors. You need people yeah. with a ton of yeah. money. You need Kojima to take an interest in this. Yeah, yeah. You need you need someone who has the money to support this. Without it, it has to be a not for profit, right? Because this stuff will never be profitable, and so mm-hmm. you need not necessarily. But in this case, like think of Spielberg and Scorsese as like influencers for the TCM audience. If a YouTuber is going through a series of games, and this is totally plausible, YouTuber is doing a retrospective on a game series, and there's options to click and play right now everything they're talking about, like it's the Karateka documentary. That's a future I want to live in. How many times have you watched a documentary about a movie or game series? Like, I wish I could just try that right now. Why is it so hard? Because it doesn't make any money when they're not talking about it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's there's got to be... 
financial incentive to do it. And that's the problem is there's just not for most games. Like, yeah. sorry, I'm not dying to play Three Stooges from NES. It's not a fucking oh, classic so that I'm dying no, there, to play. There needs to be – the ESA needs to create a nonprofit company that sells like streaming subscriptions to a library a intended for library. game preservation. Yeah, a revolving library. Mm -hmm. Just making sure these are preserved. They're not always commercially available. Why not? Or what you could do, by the way, we have uh, a big library that, that is really meant to archive like American history and stuff produced here. It's called the Library of Congress. So we yeah. fucking, mm -hmm. we, we have it. Uh, there's, there, I don't think there's a dedicated video game kind of category. No, I, think there, there, I think there is. Is there? But it's, 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 it's either Tiny, really right? new or like, you know, not very yeah. well funded. So, so like that's the other thing is if you're if it's not going to be profitable for a business, you could have government. This could be a taxpayer payer supported initiative. Right. If as a society we decide that it's important enough to to maintain that history. Now, of course, because it's governments, it would probably be the American government would only preserve stuff made by American companies. You'd have to have the Japanese com yeah. government doing it for Japanese companies. But I mean, that's just the way it is. Sometimes, like if you can't do a thing for profit, that's either. Then charities or governments usually need to step I know, up it just, and it, put that bill. He, but here's the reality. The way – the nature of capitalism means there's going to be fewer companies as we move forward. Jim hey, mentioned that's it. a great segue. <laughs> yeah, that is actually. <laughs> Activ Activision is, is sitting on such a large amount of unused IP. If your name wants to mean something – this should be your like part of your charity, like part of your goodwill is is curating your stuff and like. But there's been so many amazing like the Blade Runner game is available now. Like I'm my my friend who was in law school is like I'm considering IP law just to figure out how to like get this shit out again. Wait, what kind of law? IP law. You what? Intellectual property law. Jesus, <laughs> what, no, uh, what? What are you doing? Making a bad joke. I don't get the joke at all. Yeah, you do. But uh, but uh, hopefully the audience got it. But yeah, yeah. But like, why isn't there somebody doing that at every company? You can't like afford afford to. Eh, never mind. No, but like, uh, I mean, they 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 could afford it, but it's not going to help their profitability, so they won't do it. Like that. That's why I there's. I don't know if that's true because even today, this is a real huge sidebar. But, like, I was arguing with someone calling Disney groomers. Why would you even engage with a person with that opinion? I know. It's not worth but it. But part of that is because Disney has curated its image regardless of profitability. It has maintained an image in this country. Meanwhile, it's sold practically porn in every other country. Mm -hmm. Their name in, in, the, in every other country is not synonymous with family entertainment. And... and they greenlit some show in Germany about a girl, teenage girls who's pregnant with a devil. And I literally had a friend from childhood screaming like, this is the end of the world. And it's just like the only here is Disney owns fight club. Disney owns fucking Rocky horror hmm. picture show. Like that. That's the reality. They bought like, the Fox uh, library. <laughs> they own yeah, alien like, versus predator. And, and, and right now Disney does not allow film prints to be screened in theaters of any of its movies except for Rocky Horror Picture Show because that's like a what? gift they don't want to fuck with. Hmm. They don't want to fuck with the idea of no Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings and that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. For now. Because that was Fox. Yeah. But it also like... We're drinking that further. That's the only reason. If, yeah. if you yeah, look at right. it, Rocky Horror Picture Show 
it, it's hard to adjust for inflation might be the most profitable movie ever released in theaters. But, All right. yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get let's back to the perfect on. segue Sorry. of fewer and fewer companies because yeah. the courts this week uh, decided to rule against the FTC uh, and grant uh, – well, I guess they lifted the stay so that in theory, Microsoft and Activision can proceed with their merger. And I'm no lawyer, so if I got any of those terms wrong, please forgive me. But basically, the court said, "Yeah, FTC, you don't know what the fuck I, you're talking I said about. The last this couple is not episodes, a monopoly. The giant like, rich corporation was going to per- persevere. That's what was yeah. going to happen. Yeah. I mean, this was always an inevitability. Yeah, the AT&T Warner Brothers merger was like illegal on every front and money. I, but well, I do love – there's a quote from some of these articles where I think IGN had a bunch of analysts talking about like, OK, what comes next and what does this mean, right? And one of the reasons – one of the analysts said like the reason that the FTC kind of failed in this injunction um, and probably the C, the CMA, the, the UK authority will fail. Here's the quote. A big reason why both the CMA and FTC have proven unsuccessful at blocking the deal is their mediocre understanding of the video game industry. Yep. That's fine, of course, except when the judge has a better understanding of the business of video games than your legal team. And if you were following like the transcript from from the trial, it was so I mean, we said it right when right when we heard that people were protesting this. It's like, oh, the FTC doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. The government has never understood the games industry. And in this whole court case, it's like, oh. This is no monopoly. They just don't understand the difference between right. what publishers do and first parties. And they went to court without that understanding. And the judge in this case, it was obvious, was asking questions and very quickly grasped like, oh, yeah, this is how video game industry works. Yeah, this this is not a monopoly. You guys yeah, should I, be able I, to every Cabela Buck Hunter. I don't know what, what your issue is here. Confusion. <laughs> I mean, just if you watch those, those hearings from a few years ago where Zuckerberg was on trial, like all those Republican – congressmen senators were just like lowering their glasses i don't use facebook but my granddaughter like they took it as a point of pride you don't understand what you're asking yeah that's what we're dealing with right (laughs) my granddaughter doesn't have a million followers yet are you shadow banning her and and but you saw them taking pride in their own ignorance it was ridiculous that's america man Well, what the judge called out in the FTC case was like the FTC was not able to show like how this merger would be harmful to competition because Microsoft straight up said like as part of this, like, no, we're going to guarantee that Call of Duty will be on other platforms. And so that ploy worked like Microsoft. They totally did that on purpose. Like, yeah, we're going to sign all these deals showing how Call of Duty is going to be on other platforms so that people can't block this deal. And it worked like the judge is like, yeah, in fact, this is. These these deals, this guarantee now has just made things more competitive because at any time Activision could have just been like, hey, we're shutting it down. We're not putting Call of Duty on this platform or whatever. So like that worked. I, I cannot wait to see the shitty Call of Duty games the Switch gets <laughs> like that they have to like make now ordained. It's mandated. So the judge also basically said like they uh, the FTC couldn't prove that this would substantially like hurt the comp- competitiveness of the console market. And one of the things that was being argued was um, like the the switch didn't count as a direct competitor. I think the FTC mm-hmm. was arguing like the switch wasn't a direct competitor to Xbox and PlayStation. And mm-hmm. Phil Spencer's like, no, they absolutely are. And the judge agreed like, yeah, the way these things work, that's absolutely one of the big three. Like they are competitors mm-hmm. where it's just wild to me. Like 
the, there's a peop, these are lawyers who took a thing to court and didn't know their shit, and they got yeah. wrecked in court because of it. Yeah, it's just rolled. like, yeah, wouldn't they and they're not have wrong. hired like, like consultants, is... experts? Right. Well, that, that's that's and they why did. Bill, they had experts that's why, testify. That's why billionaires roll these courts. They can hold them up for years. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a bunch of government employees who only have so much time spread across this much shit. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare. It's always a nightmare. Yeah. So in terms of what's next, so, you know, the UK is still holding things up. That's that CMA. They were about to go to trial as part of an appeal process with Microsoft. And because of this decision, they actually agreed like, hey, let's let's put this trial on pause and pause. They're going to they're going to renegotiate with like basically they're going to allow Microsoft to propose some restructuring of the deal to make it acceptable. Well, to I, I the thought UK. it was they, they they couldn't do that because that would have to start the whole process over. They can't. They can, and they said it will just start the all new process. They're basically warning, like, okay, but it's going to make things take longer. But most of these analysts from this IGN article, at least, were like, yeah, what they'll do, they'll address all the complaints of you know what the CMA. Remember, their their biggest thing was like the, streaming. It's still the cloud. It's still the and cloud. So, and so basically, Microsoft will be like, yeah, in the UK, we're going to you know sign away streaming rights to this third-party player or whatever, and that will address that issue, and then they'll be able to move forward with the deal. That's, but That's so weird because like I'm giving someone in the UK credit because I don't know why I'm assuming they have more integrity than American politicians, but I'm just, I just am, uh, despite no evidence <laughs> at all. But like the this could dictate the future of the cloud. I'm like, well, Microsoft doesn't own a internet service and the cloud in this country and yours is still not capable of running these. If yeah. Microsoft had a cloud come right now, Microsoft gives away the cloud as a beta and none of us use it. It basically sounded like some member of the CMA believed all of Stadia's hype and was like, the cloud's the future and Microsoft has a cloud service. It's also like that guy could be real. That guy or girl could be really wrong or really right. Or really this right, could yeah. This could rewrite the, the how cloud gaming goes. But we're all tech-focused people, a little old. None of us are interested in playing on the cloud at all. Like, uh, <laughs> But also Microsoft doesn't have a monopoly on that by any means because no. Sony – owns their own streaming thing with the Gaikai acquisition. Amazon's out there, like pretty much in the world of like web servers and the cloud. It is Microsoft Azure and then Amazon. Those are the two Mm -hmm. big players, right? So it's anyway, uh, it looks like things are probably going to go through with this deal. What everyone's saying, this, this is, this was always was. Yeah. I mean, the UK stuff does need to get worked out because that's not an insubstantial market. But now that, now that this went through, uh, the FTC is going to try to appeal. Of course they would. They're going to try to save a little face. But I don't think they have a, in enough evidence to back up their claims where the, it's going to change the judge's mind. Like, no, no, you're right. This this is going to ruin the games industry and make it non-competitive. Guys, I got bored reading this too. But I think there's enough wiggle room. And the, the UK is holding this up as of right now. This could go through yeah. tomorrow, if not for the UK. And their big hang-up is cloud gaming. And they could easily just say, like, no Call of Duty in the cloud for ten years, fine, and yeah, that would okay. No more issue. Good, we're gone. <laughs> so it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. My my buddy, I was texting Adam today, and he after the Mario Brothers thing, he's like, 
am I going to get a free WoW subscription out of this, this deal? <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know, but probably. And he's like, sweet, it'll be 2005 all over again, and we'll all get free <laughs> WoW accounts. <laughs> well, one one of the biggest things the FTC, they needed to prove, and I want your guys' opinion on this, because I don't, I don't think they'll ever be able to prove this, is it's not that this would be a total monopoly. All they needed to show was that the merger was, quote, likely to increase the ability and or incentive of the merged firm, so Microsoft Activision, mm-hmm. to foreclose rivals, right? And so like basically they're basically saying, yeah, this merger gives them a higher chance of putting Sony and Nintendo out of business. And no. I do, yeah, I don't think that's true. Like no. even if it goes through, like I get it, listeners. There are some of you that are like, hey, why are you guys so pro, you know, big business or whatever? And it's like, I'm, we're not saying that. I'm just, I've always just argued this is not a monopoly and it's not going to put Sony out of No, the, it the, has the, the the capability to take a chunk out of their bottom line, but I mean, but not put them out of business. Sony, Sony and Nintendo are not the Call of Duty supporters. Like, they, right. there yeah. are people who will only buy a console for Call we of Duty, talk- and that is all they play, but that is not the majority of what players. Was it one million people? Something like that, at least. Yeah, one million people only buy a PlayStation to play Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. They do exist. Yeah. But, like, I, I, we should say, like, we are of two, like, I'm of two minds. I'm against this deal because this is going to lose a lot of people's jobs. Mm. I don't like. Yeah. But as a consumer who wants to not pay for Call of Duty in Diablo. There is that. How can I not be excited? But, but it's it's also like it's one mega corporation buying another mega corporation. Yeah. And Activision, despite its scrappy origins, has like some of the most mega corporation energy of any game publisher. It, it's it's great to have Activision shut down and move over to a little more friendly, ethically friendly company, which Microsoft is. I yeah. also am not sure this will cost a ton of people their jobs because so far Microsoft has acquired a lot of companies. Yeah. Like this we is this is like Microsoft playoffs. in the '90s. Remember when they would just yeah. like buy out their competition, and that was the original yep. antitrust hearings. That's what yeah. they were about. Well, like, but but knowing what I know about how their publishing business is structured, like, they have people at Microsoft who work on, like, their first-party brands. But, like, when they bought Bethesda, they kept all those people because they're like, no, no, we still need you guys to launch, like, Fallout games mm, and Skyrim now. games and stuff like that. And that's what I, you know, Activision Blizzard was like, we still need all of you to publish your games because Microsoft just doesn't have enough bodies to work on all for, that For stuff. now. I still foresee a future where, like... Could be. Anybody yeah. who worked on Cabela Buck Hunter and fucking Starfield end up making Gears of Wars games in like a, a much smaller company. Well, but if we if we believe Microsoft is more ruthless than Bobby Kodak with these cuts, like no, they're, they're not. They're just, they're simply not. They're objectively they're, they're, not, but like that yeah. is what will happen. These companies will close and they will work on their bigger brands and as a and it just sucks when that that is the end goal. You were successful. The only thing you did wrong was you were acquired by a larger company. I kind of view it as the opposite, though. I think that what this does is Microsoft, like, they will take more risks. Like, Activision is all about, hey, we need to have the biggest win. We need Call of Duty. And there's a reason, like, they have all these huge dormant brands, like Tony Hawk, dormant, right? I think Microsoft buying them actually opens the door for, like, people to work on because of Game Pass. It's like we don't need every game we publish to be a Call of Duty. Yeah, the just generate headlines. Game. Like it Phantom Brave is available, yeah. and like there's 4K to Ninja Gaiden Black. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I think it what's probably going to result is 
uh, Activision will put out a lot more games and, and probably rekindle a few of those dormant brands they have because Microsoft needs content to feed that Game Pass machine. And you can't just buy a company for one thing on console Call of Duty, right? Like, And obviously this is separate from the whole King discussion and whatever Blizzard's working on, right? But mm-hmm. uh, By the way, Blizzard has sort of been... <laughs> forgotten in a lot of these discussions like that's a huge get like microsoft now owns the world of warcraft company when this goes through like that's big dude they own the world of warcraft starcraft um overwatch and diablo company which Mm -hmm. on a global level is i think maybe and hearse A little this bit is like bigger. the one guy who still plays Hearthstone. But I like, but the only, like, have I mentioned this a billion times? I always call it uh, the Ice Age conundrum. That like, I'm not a fan of the Ice Age movies. Some of them were funny. How dare you? Scrat's hilarious. Scrat lost a lawsuit, and Fox had to pay that woman. It's hilarious. But <laughs> okay. like, those those movies made six billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. Globally, Disney acquired. Disney acquired Fox and just like, eh, we got a snow movie. Closed down the whole animation studio. Yeah. Like, the whole animation studio who made the fourth largest film brand in our modern era just went away. They're gone. Yeah. They're gone. Well, and they did absorb a lot of those people into Disney animation, but yeah, sure. Taken. Like, yeah. Sure, but like they don't have any autonomy over what they create and they don't give a shit. Of, like, again, I'm not an Ice Age fan, but what if you were? <laughs> like, their, 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 their reward for being more successful than 90% of other companies were being disbanded and dissolved. That's what happens in these mergers. It sucks. And by the way, the guy who ran that studio. He just produced the Mario movie and is now on the Nintendo board, right? Chris Melodondri. Like, that's wow. his deal. God, I want a job on the Nintendo board. Anyway, that's all the news is fit to play. We had wow. tackled huge issues in the news today. We really did. It's quite yeah. a lot to talk about. Um, well, let's move on to our community segment, which is always a segmenting our community. Last week's question of the week, as you Wait. might remember, was what's your favorite movie game? Uh, on videogamepocalypse.com, Justin McIntosh says, I have very fond memories of Batman for the NES. Mm. There was a time in my youth I was stuck in the hospital for several weeks with pneumonia, severe asthma, infection, and allergic reactions to medications. Ouch. I was placed in an oxygen tent on the edge of death. Cue the happy memories. Because of the severity of my condition and my lack of mobility, the nurses hooked up an NES to my in-room TV. The only provided game was Batman. That is not bad. I played that. Yeah, if you have to be stuck with one game, yeah, I could be worse. I played day after day until I slowly was able to breathe comfortably again. It was like every punch Batman threw was fighting off every <laughs> virus in my system. To make a long story short, too late. The hospital experience sent me down a rabbit hole of doctor and allergy appointments. Turns out some of my stranger allergies include cleaning supplies, vitamin D, and wow. most allergy medications. <laughs> Jesus You're Christ. You're allergic to allergy medications. That is a hell wow. of a story. Thank you for sharing. You want to clean guts? Let's clean guts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my weird memory with, with Batman, did, did you guys have, my parents would ship me off to each grandparents for a week every summer, and for some reason my British born grandmother like 
we have an extra TV and like it's just not hooked up to the cable and like oh I can bring my Nintendo we were a one TV household the idea that I could have a TV to myself and my Nintendo and I just remember like this adorable woman trying to understand me and all I want to do is play Batman on a fuzzy 13 inch black and white television. <laughs> and I was going to say, like, did you have to have an RF adapter for mm-hmm. that TV? Because that would have been my grandparents' situation. Like, we yes. have an extra TV from 1972. Oh, the, 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 the Nintendo, you had to, like, screw, they had a screwdriver to install, like, yeah, a yeah, whole Yeah, the RF, shit. the RF yeah, yeah, connection. Yeah, yeah. It's, I actually think it was, yeah, because I, I had a bunch of those. Uh, Not even uh, the RF, but, like, the two exposed wires that you have to wrap around the screws. Like, Yeah, you got to go to the local radio shed. And let's and let's pause for a second. Doesn't that feel like a fucking miracle? Two screws can get you <laughs> color video game yes. lossless footage. <laughs> How? How did? Who built this TV? How did they know? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Those people who could have saved society now—they're long yes. gone. People, oh. people that smart. They should have they been working on gone. medicine. Like, like, how did you build two screws that would predict mm. an NES eighty years from now? Well, I think there was an episode <laughs> of Topic Lords, uh, Jim Storm, Storm Dancer's podcast, where somebody was talking about color TV and what a revelation that was. Like, we're going to use the same signals that we use to broadcast a black and white signal, and we're going to pack three times as much information wow. into them, and it's going to be backwards compatible with black and white TVs. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And, and until, like, again, I'm thoroughly recommending the BlackBerry movie, because that is, like, they had to figure out data with existing internet, and, like, we're going to have to hack your towers and change everything <laughs> if this thing is going to work. Anyway, moving on. Chrissy says, a tricky one. But I have to say, Aliens versus Predator 2. Yeah, That's yeah. the one by Monolith, the fear and condemn people. And it was PC only. Oh, it was so cool. And unfortunately, it has nothing to do with the, the movie of the same name. Fortunately, it has nothing to do with the movie of the same name. Like the others, you can play as a Marine, Predator, and Alien. But in this one, all three storylines fit together to tell a single story and had some excellent set pieces. The Marine campaign alone is the best Aliens game ever. With some uh, great scares and stressful areas, and the Alien uh, and Predator ones are fun, too. Sadly, due to the IP bouncing around Monolith being bought by Warner Brothers, AVP2 has never been made available digitally, so it's hard to find now. For a time, it was my favorite FPS, and I still have a lot of fun memories of it now. I thought Night Dive had brought out... Maybe it was just the first one, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's one of those things I never get tired of saying... And why I didn't mourn the loss of Fox as a studio when Disney bought it. They were so bad to the Aliens and Predators franchises. Yeah. As, as, Do you as, remember the last game in that series? Which one? To Catch an Alien versus Predator. Stop have it. a seat. Stop why don't you have it. a seat? Don't you have a seat? Put the brownies down. Um, <laughs> but I, I'd never get tired of saying video games and comic books have been so much better to those franchises than Fox ever was. They, ke- I think they kept that, that brand alive. So cool. Every game, every comic book is so great. And then there, and then there's one, there's two movies, 1.5 or two movies from each franchise that are worth saving in a fire. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's see from the official laser time community on Facebook. Philip Langette says my favorite movie based game is, Lego Jurassic World. Ooh, Dark Horse. I actually played through the entire first trilogy of park movies, 
in addition to World. There's no voiceover, so it's the amusing pantomime comedy the games used to have. You can design your own Lego dinosaurs, and you can play as them in the free play mode. I enjoyed it so much, it was my first platinum trophy on PSN. I Yeah, That's Lego Star Wars cool. is my first third-party platinum on PlayStation. Everything else is... Well, and if you like designing your own dinosaurs, let me tell you a little bit about how early archaeology worked, because that's basically (laughs) what they were doing. Let me tell you about the brontosaurus and the movie (laughs) Baby. Yeah. Like... Wow. Although, brontosauruses, I think, are valid again. Like, they they they? figured out that, like... No, the the reason that they said it's not a brontosaurus, it's an apatosaurus, is because they were thought to be the same species, and the apatosaurus uh, discovery came first, I think... And they recently said, like, actually, no, these are two different species. Oh, so it's a brontosaurus okay. again. We Look, can say uh, brontosaurus. Like that's such situation. a better name than a that patosaurus. Makes me, that makes me feel so MAGA, like, right now. Mm-hmm. You just told me to put on a mask. And We're going like... to bring back brontosauruses. <laughs> you said Pluto wasn't a planet. I only listened to one scientist. <laughs> Pluto. Pluto was a planet our whole yeah. life. And then they just got rid of it. I don't know. Pluto is a planet. Pluto. I walked in today and everyone says Pluto is a planet. It's a planet. He's also Mickey's dog. I don't know if he's a dog or a planet. He came up to me, said, sir, sir. Sir. Tears in his eyes. Tears in his eyes. I love that all of our Trumps, it's no longer Trump. It's just the SNL Trump. Yeah. Yeah, That's all. It's these the definitive impressions. I like, we just try to do that. And that's easier than doing a Trump. (laughs) All you have to do is not know what you're talking about at any given time. (laughs) You're all very special. We're going to get you a Lego, but maybe not one of the expensive Lego sets like a good mint. (laughs) Oh my God. I was doing, I was doing Shane Gillis's Trump impression, which is to say something thing and then repeat it but then as a small story where everybody's saying that mm-hmm. yeah this guy's oh, yeah. gay i walked in the room everyone's saying this guy's gay, yeah. like, that's, gay. That's gay. <laughs> we all thought it we, we all, all thought, thought he was the same gay. thing <laughs> we, <laughs> we all knew it uh Sorry, where are we at? Kyle Chandler says my favorite video game based on a movie is based on a single scene. 1983. 1980- Carrie Chandler. Oh, hey, Carrie Chandler. What did I say? Uh, 1983's uh, Atari Star Wars arcade game. Like, oh, yeah. Like you said, it oh, came in a stand up and sit down variant, uh, though I've only played the uh, stand up one. Oh, sorry to hear. It, 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 Look, as someone, I bought the arcade one up one. I got it for 50 bucks from Walmart, hmm. and I they released. Uh, 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 XL version or are going to they release sit down versions and once they did people copied those and you can take those th- go to Home Depot and they'll cut you uh, yeah a sit down cab and you, and there's decals it wasn't just sit down you can buy it was an enclosed it was an enclosure yeah. it, it it made you feel like you were it in a cockpit so it was awesome. I I only played it like that as a kid I loved it and I ran into one at California Extreme and I remember sitting in it and it's like this feels weirdly small and there are two little kids who are waiting just outside for me to finish this oh, feels yeah. i feel like i should just get up and leave it to them yeah, I, but, yeah. i'm just saying this as someone who was fucking around with rebuilding arcade machines if you have for five hundred dollars you could cut get an arcade game make that cockpit there's decals available it'll take you like it'll be a very satisfying right. thing to do well finish Sorry. reading the answer 
The vector graphics uh, make it look like it looks still great 40 years later. The great thing about it is that it's easy enough that you can blow blow up the Death Star on one credit with a little practice, making it a great game for kids as well. I love, if you haven't seen, if you don't follow Baker on social media, like him putting his little girl behind the arcade machine and like she likes it and can do it. It's fucking great. Even at like two uh, she was bl- blowing up the Death Star vector style. Awesome. Uh, Jason Miller says, My child self would say Top Gun for the NES. I don't yes. believe you, Jason. We accept everyone on this show. <laughs> <laughs> for reasons, I could say that I am absolutely obsessed with aircraft. Uh, being able to land on an aircraft carrier was one of my favorite parts of the game. That is nobody's favorite part of the game. Uh, it's the hardest thing in the Exactly. Ever. Sparking my interest into Microsoft Flight Ooh. Simulator soon after uh, into my gaming life. My adult self would say Scott Pilgrim versus the world, which I only found after watching the film. References galore. Mm. Yes, I love it. I'm so glad that got a re-release. I know. I, every time, nice. my my, whenever I hear Scott, someone mentions Scott Pilgrim, all I want to do is my favorite line. Bread makes you fat. Oh, Why is it. that everyone's favorite I line? I love it. That's not my favorite line. My favorite line is, we are sex bomb and we're here to make you feel sad and think about <laughs> death and stuff or whatever. You know? <laughs> oh, so good. I might watch it right after this. Andy Ryan says, enter the mate. Nah, it's Lord <laughs> of the Rings, the two towers. Final fight game mechanics with light leveling and the look of the movie. It's just perfect. Honorable mention to escape from Butcher Bay. The best thing with Riddick in it and a jaw-dropping showpiece. Agreed. It's one of those things, I think, as an act of charity. EA, Warner Brothers. Dude, let people play this fucking game again. It was really fun. Two Towers is great. Yeah. Never be seen again. Uh, on Twitter, uh, Easy Right Maybe. What? Uh, or uh, Alex Easter 8 says, uh, Wow, Toy Story for Mega Drive. Those were really great games, by the way. Uh, Traveler's Tales uh, working their magic with the hardware as they had uh, they would do again in uh, Sonic 3D the Donkey Kong-esque faux CG visuals were fantastic Uh, the music was catchy the level variety was fucking berserk Uh, platformer overhead racer first person shooter it is still very playable I remember like when I first met Sam like we have to try this Toy Story game and he showed me all this PC shit and like it is schizophrenic the Toy Story game there's a Doom level, there's a racing game level, it's everything. It is one of the better movie games ever released, Toy Story. It's the diehard trilogy of Toy Story games. Ah, but it's it's so much more. Uh, Jeff, let's hear from Jeff. I, he's going to be excited. Oh, Jeff Wildman. Wildman! BTW. No, I was reading a, more ahead than that. Yeah, it says, <laughs> though not officially based on the film, the similarities between Clock Tower and Argento's phenomena are undeniable, right down to the main protagonist being named Jennifer. If you have played Clock Tower but have never seen Phenomena, I highly recommend doing so, and vice versa. I will do this, because, yeah, it's it's one of those things, I think I was... What was the, the weird Italian game that came out a year or two ago? I played through it, and now I've forgotten the title. Jesus. Um, I know, I remember you talking about it, I don't yeah. remember the name. But I was like, is this the first Giallo game? And like is somebody this, uh, else said, like, the clock tower fits. And like, Was oh, it Pizza yeah. Tower? It was not Pizza Tower. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, that was this year. I'm Italian, I could do this all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was it was a, a woman's name. I'm I'm forgetting what it was, Pizza but it was pasta. It was infamous for like you you dig an unborn fetus out of your sister's corpse, and like mm. super gross moment. I think that was the latest WarioWare. Yeah, no, it was WarioWare. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> dig the fetus out. Five seconds. So. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Desecration. Finally, <laughs> finally, we have a video answer from Gallatin Carhart hey, returning hey. again. Uh, who says... Gallatin Carhartt here from Antista Country. You can see oh. there's the old St. George Island oh, coastline out there. I thought that was your this house. wonderful, miraculous, beautiful island of 13 miles. Stop telling people about, about half it. Half of it set up for pricks. The other half <laughs> set up for the riffraff. Somewhere in between is where you'll find old Gallatin Carhartt. So anyways answer to this week's question of the week um what movie tie-in movie game is the fabulousest of all time i'm gonna tell you old gallatin carhartt remembers a fabulous one <clears throat> that would be ghostbusters for the nes spectacular game correction horrible game i forgot <laughs> see old mama carhartt knew that she had scored a big deal by getting little Gallatin his uh, his NES. I was like, now it's time to flood him with games. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Super Mario Brothers 2 is the greatest game of all time. Still is, of course, Chris. Still is. But then she's like, hey, I know how much you love Ghostbusters. I got you Ghostbusters on the NES. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. I haven't heard about it. And then I played it. I was like, I hate every second of this game. I hate every second of it. <laughs> and then she bust in my room. She's like, you loving that game? I'm like, just putting it into the ODS right now. Slam that sucker down. And I'd play it with a cringy smile. Yeah. Real answer, though. GoldenEye, of course. Wow. GoldenEye is the greatest Ooh. movie tie-in game of all time. Greatest. Yes. Great answer. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all take it easy. I'm going to. Those, those waves are a little bit, but I'm getting ready to throw the kayak out there. And throw the anchor out and then just sit and relax and get all this wonderful sun. See all that wonderful sunlight? Y'all take it easy. Ah. Why would you do that on a kayak? You have a beach Thank right you. there. Just lay on the beach oh, to get the sun. Kayaking is so fun. And God that's damn it. But he said he's going to throw an anchor from the kayak. Look, <laughs> that's not kayaking. That's just laying on a boat. The, I'm talking to the VGA listeners now. Don't. Florida sucks. Don't yeah, tell anybody yeah. about the beaches of Florida. So does California. No, so no, does no. California. You should all move to Texas. Don't you tell anybody. Nobody get... tell any. No one talk about the beaches of Florida anymore. Yeah. I yeah. don't want anyone else to know. It's a secret. Uh, they're great. St. George Island was rated number one by an article lately. That's like the closest mm. beach to my house. Uh, it's the best. Don't tell anyone. It's called the Forgotten Coast for a reason. <laughs> don't tell anyone except this podcast. Don't listeners. tell anyone. Do not, and if you buy a beach house here, you have to invite me to it, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. A new question of the week. What's a game that has never had a re-release that needs one? Uh, it is a pretty fucking easy answer. That's Panzer Dragoon Saga. Yeah. Has yeah. never oh, yeah. been off of, oh, yeah. uh, off of Saturn. And no. is, you know, yeah. came, came out at the tail end of the system's lifespan, uh, had a limited run of copies, those copies are now worth fucking bank. Uh, I was dumb and got rid of my case. I so. <laughs> fucking hate that I sold them for community college tuition. Oh, man. Ah! 
Who are my parents such dicks? I need $160. Now uh, you could sell it for state school tuition, probably, for like a semester. It makes me so mad. I remember running to class in the rain and Panzer Dragoon falling out of my bag so I could try and (laughs) make money off it to buy my books. Lisa, will you buy my game? It wasn't exactly like that, but it No, it was exactly like that. In hindsight, admissions like, office. God damn it. What a waste. Of, what a waste. I'm going to go with a game that it had a port 2 years later, but that's not a re-release. That's just like, hey, same generation port. This is a rather obscure game, and it's a game I actually sold a few years ago for decent price because it's never been re-released. Looney Tunes Space Race oh. is a phenomenal kart racer starring the Looney Tunes characters with beautiful cel-shaded graphics. Beautiful. If nothing else, just like create a DLC pack in whatever car- if you're working yeah. listeners, if you're working on a kart racer, the Looney Tunes characters are custom made for kart racing. Right. They talk shit to each other constantly. They're allowed to be violent with one another. Giant heads. Looney Tunes is uh. perfect, perfect for kart racing. And it was a fun title, which looked beautiful on the Dreamcast, which is where I played it. Uh, Looney, Looney Tunes Space Race is a very good game that has never been re-released for some reason. And those those beautiful, like Marvin the Martian is only in like three cart two, three cartoons? I'm only um, in three cartoons. MQ-36, uh... Bit modulator. I know. I, yes. Earthling. I know. I sound like that Venture Brothers guy, Michael, when I do that. Um, mm. no, he's they, just they, channeling me. I bought the Duran Duran Bull, Michael. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Saint Cloud. Yeah. Just <laughs> uh, Saint Cloud. Th- this isn't so much a game that has never been released, but a franchise that has never been unleashed. I'm just throwing this out to Metal Storm on NES. The best NES game you've never played. I wouldn't have heard about it if Nintendo Power didn't include it as a poster. Yep. It's right. a beautiful right. game. Everything about it is amazing. It's 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 awesome from start to finish, and it's not brutal. I, I didn't play it until like the late 2000s for the first time, and I was floored by it's, how good the animation is. Like, I've never seen an NES game that looked like the, that. You almost want to die to see that explosion. Mm. It's so cool. And uh, why weren't there more games with little tiny cute mechs? Every level is different. Holy shit, this is really fun. Mm. Uh, man, I, I, I want to uncover a multiverse where like this went on as a series. More than I want the original game re-released because I I still have, it. but uh, maybe it was in Japan. I don't know. Uh, I don't, it seems very Jap. I don't know enough about it. I just it just came to my head that like I've never seen this available anywhere else. And, the, and the, for things that got Nintendo Power posters that almost never happened, those became instant classics. Hmm. There's there has been a limited there 2019 there was like what oh. like a limited run run game it was Retrobit released a collector's edition of the game well, but that's uh, I'm fired very 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 limited run I'm and fired. was it for like an NES cartridge well, fine it was a yeah it was an NES yeah. cartridge. I am so going to steal Michael's research then and say the game he cut from the list which we didn't mention Mario and Wario yes the horrible <laughs> horrible Japan only it's so bad. Like, we're going to have a game starring Mario. What's he doing? Nothing. We're going to put a bucket on his head, and he can't do yeah. anything, and you have War- to lemon. Wario so- dropped a bucket on his head, and only Luigi can remove it at the end of every stage. It's not just... I didn't look... Was it developed internally by Nintendo? Because it's terrible. You I technically play as a fairy. Mm-hmm. Who... <laughs> And it's it's one of the only games that were like specifically designed for the Super Nintendo mouse. You can't yeah. play without it. 
it's weird to think about like yeah mario doesn't belong being controlled with a mouse at all hmm. so they no. they didn't they you have a fairy who disappears reappears blocks to yeah, help him get to it's hug basically luigi at the end of the stage. Yeah. Well, Luigi pulls the bucket off him. You can also play as the princess, which is easy, or as Yoshi, which is hard. This game sucks. Not Also, not the <laughs> only time there's been a Mario Lemmings game, because Mario versus Donkey Kong. It's, right. just, yeah. it's true. Uh, it's true. And I hate that's where my favorite portable game, Donkey Kong 94, ended up uh, mm-hmm. in that weird mini-series. It, it's such right. a terrible branch. The first one was pretty good. It, no, it was fine. I'm like, eh. It was fine, but as it evolved, it like I just remember being like, "Oh, I hate this so much." It was like it was like watching one of your kids become an incel. Like I don't like where this is going at all. <laughs> How do we reverse this? Uh, anyway, uh, qu- what what game that has never had a re-release needs one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't say Panzer Dragoon Saga. No, we already, we, said, we already said that. You can't say it. I'm um, pissed at Michael. Unless you have before a really good me, reason. I had to good reach for Metal Storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, no, that was a good pull. Metal Storm, it's a good pull. Good, yeah. And it's had that. Li- it's had a very limited. Yeah, release. as far so as I'm counts. concerned, it hasn't had a real re-release. Um, so, what is a game that uh, you would like to see re-release that has never had one? Uh, let us know. Go to videogameapocalypse.com. Answer into the comments for episode 532. Alternately, you can go to the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer. Or ping us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse, and we will read the answers on next week's show. That has been our show. Uh, let's go with some plugs once again. Go listen to Topic Lords. Uh, play Frog Fractions. Play <laughs> Glitter Mitten Grove. Uh, Jim Stormdancer is a great guest. Thank you so much again for coming on. Uh, And what do we got to plug? Uh, 30-2010 this week is one of the weirdest weeks we've ever had. Uh, I don't ever want to think about RIPD again. The Ryan Reynolds, Jeff Bridges ripoff of Men in Black. Did you ever play the game that was based on it? I had to look into it. And Uh. it's Matt, one of the weird... Atlas published it. What was going on? <laughs> An Atlas published RIPD movie game. Wow, it was a different era twenty years or ten years ago. Uh, a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, but Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime is uh, brimming with. We have been recording all the stuff in advance for the Halloween season. So I'll just say Ooh. that. Woo! Uh, and that. and uh, Matt is on this week. Matt was just yeah. like, I went to this Disney auction. We go off on some tangents, but I the the, the, the thing I wanted to express about it is like as you get older, uh, you know, collecting action figures can still be fun, but like buy, if you you're really into something for twenty years, yeah, over twenty years, like buy one cool thing that you can mm, yeah. display cool a in your piece, house. A piece of that thing. Yeah. yeah. Don't do what I did and buy like 50 of that cool thing. <laughs> Sometimes. No, but no. The, 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 I have one or two things where like, this was a lot, but I get happy every time I'm around it. It's a showpiece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that that's on bonus time, which you can only get at uh, patreon.com slash laser time at the $5 or more level per month. And so I'll be talking all about my visit to it's a Von Eaton auction of like the McGee family uh, collection or whatever. But yeah, talking all about 
kind of revisiting my Disneyland working days and seeing some really cool pieces in person uh, at, at a big kind of in, in an, if you've ever wanted to see a piece of Disneyland in an abandoned Bed Bath and Beyond now it's is crazy. your chance folks. It, it's crazy I remember like uh, Matt was like let's see if Michael wants to join I'm like I would love to torture Michael with this shit but if I were him I would not respond um, but <laughs> I was playing Zelda <laughs> and uh, 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 next week JR and I are going to um, dig as deep as we can into the AI conversation I think a lot of people are wrong about AI and I'm saying that as someone who doesn't love it uh, doesn't like it and can see uh, but I don't like the conversation that was happening and JR and I wanted to talk about it on I guess our terms or how we see mm. things having played around with this technology and this we are not defenders of it at all but like what people get wrong about it and what people get right because I think yeah. the, 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 the big one was that like I see a lot of people on the left like this technology sucks I'm like this technology is goofy it's amazing and what's going to happen with it is going to be devastating mm. devastating uh, to yeah. to to a, a wide swath of people in a way we've never ever anticipated the the thing is i kind of saw feel like i foresaw the future uh you know some months to a year ago when i realized like oh the end is going to come through ai not in a skynet is right. going to destroy us all way but in a Someone is going to put way too much trust in this to handle mm -hmm. something very important, and it's going to fuck up. Yeah. And more than, like, you know, people of my uh, upbringing in class, we've got to lament and watch blue-collar jobs being lost slowly mm -hmm. over the course of 100 years. White-collar jobs are going to evaporate in a series of less than five. They're done. Uh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm, I don't give a shit about Skynet. If you tell me I have to fight robots for the rest of my life, I'm like, oh, oh a reason to live. That sounds fun. Uh, like, uh, that'd yeah, be sounds great. Sounds like a job. Yeah. That's, robot that, that, That'd be great. I'm totally fine with that. But, uh, uh. but the idea of like, uh, never mind. But, but uh, patreon.com slash laser time, bunch of really fun stuff coming your way. Consider re subscribing or resubscribing at the $5 level. Maddie, Maddie. For the record, all three of us welcome our robot over. That's true. Just getting that on on recording <laughs> on yes, the record. Sir, Roko's basicals do not torture us. I was saying in our thirty twenty ten free willy conversation, I like to operate myself as in like I'm going to deal with an evolved sentient version of this eventually. What we did to whales is terrible, so I'm going to be nice to my robot friends too. Mm -hmm. Oh, holy shit. See them as our children and it'll all be okay. You guys ever do that where you like see someone swear at like Alexa and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mm -hmm. You need to slow down with that <laughs> right. shit, dude. <laughs> right. Enough. Enough. <laughs> I do not want to be in the montage reel of the rise of the fucking uh, mm -hmm. self-parking car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -uh. yeah. All right. Well, as always, you can find us online at VigiGameApocalypse.com. You can follow us on Twitter at VGApocalypse. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Wikiparas. That's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week.
time for androgyny. It's just Gex.